well, welcome everyone to the April 19th Income Tax Filing Day edition of the Medfield Board of Selectmen. Uh, this meeting will be held in a hybrid format. The Board of Selectmen will attend in person and members of the public may attend in person. In addition, members of the public who wish to participate via Zoom may do so by joining by one of the uh, options that's listed in the meeting agenda that you can uh, t uh, access at the town website. Uh, this point, just to disclose, this meeting is being recorded uh, by Medfield TV. It will be available after the fact for anyone who can't make this meeting. And to start, we'd like to take a moment to uh, appreciate the troops serving around the globe in defense of our country. Thank you. Uh, the first appointment we have, I believe, is Chief Garrett. I thought I saw her SUV here. The but, chief uh, is not here. The chief is not here. Nope, I'm hearing her uh, here. calf, and she is requesting that Dan Officer Daniel Neal be appointed as a full-time police officer. He has graduated the academy and started his training with the department. Any questions or comments? Again? Uh, I would be lying if I said I knew the gentleman uh, that well. Is he new to the force? Is he? I, I, I'm yes, he just finished the academy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so welcome aboard. That's good. <laughs> Congratulations. He, uh, does he by any chance live in town or not? I don't know if he currently lives in town, but in order to be eligible for civil service, uh, he was on our list. I don't remember if he was one of our transfer applicants or not, though. I'd have to double check on that. <clears throat> That's it for me. Thank you. Okay, and uh, can I have a motion? I move to appoint uh, Officer Daniel Neal to the as a full-time police officer for the town. A second. All those in favor? Yes. Oh, wait, wait. Is now usually made subject to certain requirements being met? He's already I met all that, those I thought that was. I thought that's what we did before he went to the police academy. Yeah, yeah. this is the second. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, all those in favor? Yes. Yes. I, yes. Opposed. Motion carries. Uh, let's see, next item. You're up, Mo. It's fine, gentlemen. Good evening. Hey, Mo. Good evening. So there's two, two contracts that are looking for approval for tonight. Um, both have to do with our INI system and our sewer collection system. Basically, INI stands for infiltration and inflow. And what that, what that means is infiltration is kind of groundwater coming into our system which we don't want it to, but it, uh, it's a very common problem in a lot of cities and towns. Basically, there's cracks in the pipes, manhole covers that may be off or, or have cracks at, at their seams. Um, excessive water gets to the treatment plant, which we pay for to, to treat. And uh, the, the more we can kind of uh, lessen at the treatment plant, the better off we are, and more times we'll be in compliance with MassDEP because when you have excessive groundwater, um, you know, with the excessive water coming in, we don't want it backing out into the system. So you have to, um, sometimes the, the treatment isn't the way we want it to be. So these two contracts kind of address these kind of issues. The inflow part of it is from, um, if it's a, a catch basin that's connected to the sewer system that's not supposed to be, or sump pumps or uh, roof drains, things like that, uh, we try to minimize those as well. Um, so the first contract was for uh, capacity analysis. Basically, anything coming into the treatment plant, we want to make sure that 
we have the correct processes to handle all that water coming in until we can minimize it. Um, it's hard to eliminate INI. You ask anybody in the, in the industry, you try to minimize as much as you can, uh, but you're still treating at times, whether it's precipitation events or snow, snowfall uh, melting, um, that's when a lot of the water infiltrates into the system. So the capacity analysis is to see what our processes are down at the treatment plant, see how we can mitigate some of the things, make things, make some improvements to get that to where it's supposed to be so it's treated properly to, to go out into the um, effluent, as effluent to the Charles River. Um, the other contract is for, so in the systems, where you have infiltration, you have different areas of town that have found to be uh, porous that we need to either replace the pipes or cement line them so that no water is able to infiltrate into the system. Uh, we found a couple locations, one um, in the Vine Lake Cemetery area, they're gonna look to put more um, flow meters there to confirm. Uh, we're looking at almost 250,000 gallons coming into the system in that area. So we wanna make sure we can confirm that and eventually go for design for that to, to fix that area. This one here happens to be for Harding Street area, right up, right up your alley there. <laughs> could be at your house, it could be right near there. But uh, there's a lot of pipes in that area that, um, that have found to have cracks that the water's coming in. We did CCTV, we did the flow meters. Um, so this is to kind of confirm everything at the Vine Lake Cemetery and design the Harding Street um, system to, uh, to replace, to minimize some of that water coming into the system. So should I expect my basement to start flooding more frequently? <laughs> it depends. Do you have a do you have a sump pump that's connected to? <laughs> <your sewer? laughs> I have two sump pumps. <laughs> I don't think they're connected. <laughs> but both of these are trying to uh, minimize some of the uh, those those water issues. Questions. <laughs> The only question I have, just out of curiosity, Mo, is how frequently do we do analysis and things like this to the system? For the for the info, and for the INI, yeah. Every year we spend some money to look at different parts of the system to cement line certain areas of pipes. But lately, we've had such an influx of water that we've kind of held off on that and trying to see where the main parts are. Because you have you could have small leaks in different parts of the town that are say 5,000 gallons total, which doesn't amount to much. You wanna get the, you know, the, the smoking guns, so to speak. Sure. So, um, you know, if we can eliminate 30, 40, 50% of what we have out there, it's, it's that much closer we are to, uh, to be able to handle all the water that comes in at times. It's, it doesn't happen all the time, but depending on certain rain events, if you have a, a week where you just, just rains and rains and rains, the groundwater levels come up, gets into the system someplace, somewhere. So we're trying to isolate those areas and fix those areas. Um, when we had the 100 year rain back, what, in 2011, 2012, maybe around there, um, did that crush our system at all? It, it, it does, it, it's, it's, it's periodic. I mean, it, you know, at first we thought there could be a manhole cover in the Charles River that was, was off, that the water, when the, the, the groundwater raised up, it was just flowing in there. Uh, we went through the interceptor, we went through all different areas, but it's very difficult to pinpoint. It's just a combination of a, a lot of different things. So we try to take the, the most infiltration areas first and then decide whether it's worth, because if you look at, if something costs you like $10 million to do 100,000 gallons worth of uh, water coming into the system, is that worth it? 
where we could do maybe 400,000 gallons for a million dollars. That would be worth it. So you have to kind of weigh the, the pros and cons. There's little leaks everywhere in the system, you know, to, to try to spend all that money to get little, little benefit from. So we're trying to get those smoking guns first and then see where we're at. Thank you. Sure. Uh, Bill has something. He, he, I don't know if you want to go to him. I'm happy to go to him first. He can hear okay, his question yeah, if you want. Yeah. So we need a microphone. Uh, you have a microphone. That's a first. <laughs> <laughs> Did you bring, is that my, your own? Or my, you? <laughs> my reputation is preceding me. I'm in trouble. Uh, so I'm not asking this question because I've already had two leaking water lines at my house. I'm just wondering, you say Harding Street, how about the developments along Harding Street or just the main line on Harding Street? It's just it's the sewer lines that have the cracks and not the water lines. Okay. So it's it's the drainage, the, the groundwater coming into the system. So oh. when it goes through the treatment the plant. Yeah. So is it just Harding Street though or you think it'll be going it's down? It's the Harding there? Street area. So there's different areas around Harding Street that they're looking to design to, re, to either replace or cement line to, to rid us ourselves of those cracks. It's just a study at the moment, or the study was is confirmed. Those that area has significant uh, leakage in those sewer pipes. So there may be some work in some of the neighborhoods off of Harding Street. Correct. We, there'll be notice, I assume. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. I have another question on the next one, but that's, <laughs> thank you. The sure. long-standing residents of Harding Street tend to be a little harder on the town sewer pipes than in the more refined neighborhoods. Uh, but there's only two of us, so believe me, we flush as infrequently as possible. <laughs> Too much info. <laughs> uh, okay, Pete. <laughs> so, can you maybe uh, give us the update on the INA percentages? Because I know that we've been uh, making a lot of progress on that, I think. And so as, as far as percentages for as how much infiltration we're getting? Because it seemed to me at one point we were up at like 25%. And so, down at, last I heard we were at 10 or something. So at times, right now, um, like during the wintertime, we're probably anywhere between 400 and 600,000 gallons at the treatment plant. Okay. Um, sometimes when we have the infiltration, it could be anywhere from 800,000 to uh, 1.2 million gallons going through. Sometimes even more, depending on, on that. Is that a daily amount, Mo? I think you're talking about two different things. Oh. I think that Sergeant Peterson was talking about the unaccounted for water. Oh, unaccounted for water, okay. So our unaccounted for water. That was the infiltration. There. No, no, no. That's uh, that's for the water department. The infiltrate the INI is for the sewer collection system. Okay. Okay. So the unaccounted for water is leaks that we have in the water system that's pressurized that no water should be leaking from that system, but you do have leaks at times. Our unaccounted for water went from uh, about six years ago. About we were about close to 26 to 31 percent. Now we're down to, uh, we just did the ASR, which is the annual statistical report. It brought us down to, right now we're sitting at 15 to 17 percent. Okay. That's water we pump and yeah, 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 yeah. So we're getting closer and closer every year. We're dropping more and more. We're finding leaks or changing out meters that uh, have stopped or um, that haven't been working properly and we're gaining on it. Uh, okay. pretty quickly so. so in terms of the I and I um, yeah I saw the Vine Lake Cemetery and that just seemed like an odd place to be having a lot of well, problems it, with the sewer these sewer lines um, go into the interceptor that goes to the treatment plant so it has to go across land to get there so it just happens to be in those those pipes in that area that's uh, getting water infiltration so it's not so much because it's the cemetery or anything like that it's not the use of the land it's basically yeah. Just the age of the pipes, or you know, oh, okay. things that happen. Roots get into the system, 
Um, so we, we do use um, water flow meters to the kind of um, all around town to make sure that if there's high amounts of infiltration coming in, we can kind of backtrack and, and kind of pinpoint the areas where, the, where that's coming from. But it's, it's difficult because you get, it, uh, you get it all over town, so. So do you actually have a sewer line that runs through the cemetery we somewhere? Do. Oh, okay. We do. All right. Um, then the other thing I wanted to ask you about was Harding Street, because I, I drive up and down Harding Street endlessly, mm -hmm. a lot of times a day sometimes. And, uh, and when I saw the, uh, the reference to wetlands, all of a sudden it dawned on me that, I mean, a lot of Harding Street is very low. Mm -hmm. There's that whole area where there used to be the uh, pond for making ice. Um, there's that existing pond. Uh, do you have a sewer running? You must have a sewer running there because there are manhole covers. Yeah, wherever you see the manhole covers, that's where the sewer line goes. And it, like I said, it eventually ends up at the interceptors, which is a large collection <coughs> pipes that yeah. go right into the uh, treatment plant. So that that area is very low. So I'm assuming that there's a lot of uh, so a high the, groundwater. Right. So, so when the groundwater comes problem. up, if the groundwater comes up, our pipes are down, you know, five, six feet down under the ground for cover so things don't freeze. And But um, as the groundwater comes up, if you have leaks in your pipe, it it comes into your pipes. Nothing's coming out. It's most, mostly coming in. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, and is it, so when you lay a new sewer, it, 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 are the pipes basically watertight or? or Absolutely, you, it's supposed to be a tight system. Okay, all right. So the other question I had about that area of Harding Street is that um, I just have this personal preference. I try to avoid running over the manholes, but there, there, there's so many manholes along that section of Harding for some reason. You have any idea why there's so many? I mean, there are a lot of times there are two it all side it, by it side. It all depends. It all depends if there's connecting uh, pipes that go into different directions. You need a manhole to connect them to to move to another another direction. This can't be the reason along that stretch. But take a look at it sometime. There are a ton of them, um, and and they're always double ones. So it could be could it be a sewer and a drain. Keeps me on my. Uh, could be a drain manhole to, as well to avoid driving over them. Right. But um, that was all that I had. Funny when I see lots of manholes, it's like playing asteroids. <laughs> well, yeah, I do that too. That's okay. what I'm saying. Oh, That's yeah. why I noticed. You try to straddle them. Yeah, okay. yeah. When, when they design, when they design sewer systems and design drainage systems, the manholes and the pipes is supposed to be either in the middle of the travel lane or outside the travel lane, so you don't hit it with your tire. But it always seems to be right in your right in your wheel. Well, plus there are double ones on Harding all along. So. Is it sewer and drainage or just sewer? Because it could be drain manholes. That's yeah, could be a drainage know. system right next I to these. I just know that they're system. manholes. I don't stop and look. I just try to <laughs> avoid them. But they're on the on the side heading to town from yep. the, from up at the hospital. I blew two tires once north of Boston, up near the power plant that's up over where the casino is. It was before the casino was there. And what it was is that they had taken out the as they'd taken out a square patch of asphalt, but left the manhole. So there was like a six inch, oh, yeah, and wow. I hit both left wheels. Uh, and I, I called the city to see about getting, you know, <laughs> getting some sort of compensation for that booby trap. And I said, well, I hit a manhole cover. And the question I got was, which manhole cover? It's like, what do you mean, which manhole cover? Oh, there's a lot of manhole covers. So I drove all the way up there. And there are like 25 manhole covers in front of that. Because and it's there's the Boston Water and Sewer. There's the electric company. There's, there's like, they really had just this. And then I had to remember which one it was. I'm sitting there, I said, it's that one. And, uh, it was an interesting experience. We're not that bad. Um, Did they pay for your tires? Huh? Did they pay for your tires or not? No. no. It was, 
It's yeah. called the pothole statute. <laughs> yeah. So on on this first one, I think actually, as you were talking, you've answered my question on this one because it at some place on the agenda it said it was a capacity analysis. And my first question was: Are you analy are we analyzing the capacity against our current demand, or are we? forecasting increased demand because of the state hospital development. But I, I think that's no, an we're, irrelevant we're, question. We are going to be looking at the um, the water system and the sewer system and the treatment plant separately. Okay. That's to a separate. Okay. Look at the function of the treatment plant to see what improvements are, are necessary as okay. we move to, into okay. the future. Uh, and then do we want to go to the second Questions. Do you have more to say on the second contract? Or? No, basically it's the um, you know replacement of the, okay. the Harding Street area that's just yep. a design right now and then the confirmation of the Vine Lake Cemetery area to go into a design later on. Okay. You had a question. Did you, first off, did no, you? No, I'm good. Okay. Yeah, you had a question. Thank you. You had a question on the second contract. Okay. Um, so on the second one, I noticed that the contract has a deliverable like 100, 120 days. Okay. After signing, which puts it like in August, and I was just kind of curious that since the due diligence is going on now with Trinity and everything else, whether and, and supposedly they're meeting with the departments, uh, the police and, and DPW and water and uh, you know water the board of water and sewage and everything else is going forward here, and and I'm just curious is if the projected usage, wastewater flow, or whatever from the new development will be covered in your conversations or the scope of work? This, is a, this will be a separate talk with the INI. It's more about uh, repair. No, I'm sorry. I was on a second one. I was more on the uh, wastewater, uh, the sewage treatment, second, uh, the second contract. The, the, about the capacity analysis? Yeah. The capacity analysis right now is for the, for the overflow of, of infiltration. Okay. It's not about the capacity for the treatment plant for new development. Interesting. Okay. But the second one is for the design of Well, it's just it's the on system. the adequacy. Of, it's all, we've always had questions about, you know, you know, when we do these things going forward, have we looked at, you know, do we have enough water? Do we have enough, you know? So with the INI study, um, so this is a capacity analysis for the infiltration at this point. When we do the uh, study for the treatment plan itself, it's still for INI, but it takes into consideration of what to expect for capacity in the future as well, to look at the treatment plan as a whole to see what type of improvements are needed for the treatment plan. So it's, it's, it's built in the late 70s, I believe, that you know if you, you can put a Band-Aid on it for so long before you need to make improvements, just like everything else. So presumably you'll have some idea as you get further in your discussions with what you're incurring or the next you know, subcontract or whatever. With, with Trinity, I mean, those discussions would be about, you know, about capacity, but more about the connections leading to the treatment plant. And then our study looks at the treatment plant as a whole to see what kind of improvements are needed at the treatment plant to handle uh, not only the INI of what we can minimize, but INI moving forward as well as capacity uh, for that plant. Because I have seen the PAR study, whatever, that looked at the connections on uh, Hospital Road and right. leading from Hospital Road forward. Because so. we want to make sure that with this, uh, you know, if the state hospital is developed or any kind of development in the town that, you know, if you put a 12-inch or an 8-inch line in the, in, the, in the road, yeah, it's going to take what, what what's comes out of the development, but it's to get to the treatment plant. How how is everything connected to one area? Is that going to back up? Is it is it large enough? Is it diversified enough to get to the treatment plant? Mm -hmm. 
Pete, Pete, any questions on the second? Yeah, topic? that actually raised a couple. What you said raised a couple questions in my mind. I thought that we had done an analysis that had shown that we had a capacity for the state household development at the wastewater treatment plant and water, that we had plenty of enough water and enough sewer capacity. So I believe, I don't, so I think we're getting a little confused with the treatment plant. The treatment plant itself, like I said, in the 1970s, we're looking to improve that treatment plant over time. So it's not so much that there's not enough capacity, it's more how do we, what do we do with the capacity? What do we, how do we handle it? What, what improvements uh, since the 1970s should be made at the treatment plant to make it the, the most efficient plant that we can make it at this time? So that was the second question that your comments raised for me, which is oh. what, I mean, you're alluding to the fact that it's pretty old and, and that it's going to need some upgrades apparently. And uh, has anybody done an analysis of that? That's what, we're, that's what we're going to be doing in the near future. Okay. But right now it's the, the more pressing issue for us is the, the infiltration coming in. We're trying to minimize as much as we can to do an analysis of the capacity for the INI going through the different processes at the treatment plant. We're trying to see what can be improved, kind of the low hanging fruit right now. I don't remember seeing anything about the uh, wastewater treatment plant on the cap on the like the 25 year capital plan for the town buildings and facilities. Is it there? Uh, no, it's going to be part of our new. Yeah, okay. Uh, We're looking at the, the whole um, the water system and the yeah, sewer so, collection system. Yeah, because we want to plug those numbers in. Yep. Thank you. Sure. So, Mo, last time you were here with the contract, you were so well prepared with my questions. I felt I have like nothing I highlighted voted. today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, so, my, my questions are, I think they're fairly easy. Oh, this, this is the second contract. Sure. Uh, and it's, they're actually questions that I pulled out from the Woodard and Curran proposal, so not the contract document. The, on the background on the first page of the proposal, it said, Following the SSES, upon request by the town, Wood and Curran submitted a project evaluation form to the Mass DEP for financing consideration of a future sewer system rehabilitation project, which resulted in the town being put on the draft intended use plan. However, it is understood that the town does not wish to pursue the use of SRF funds to finance bidding, award, and construction of this project. Is that a timing? So, is that, what's that? Yeah, so we, we have the project approved on SRF if we wanted to, get, to take a loan out. Yep. Um, depending on what's found with these studies, mm -hmm. then we look at to see if it's done by free cash, whether or not okay. we borrow, if it's a better alternative, depending on the rates, or we, but to borrow, we'd need more uh, substantial projects to make it worthwhile okay. for the borrower. Okay. The next, the uh, lump sum, when it talks about lump sum contract here, it's the same as fixed price, right? Correct. Okay. So they won't, just they they won't exceed those, those the individual. prices. Okay. Yeah. And then the only other minor thing I had on the last page, it, uh, it sounded reasonable. They said the cost of police details will be borne by the town. That kind of made sense to me. Yeah. Uh, but then there was one, there, this is just information. It says sewer lateral rehabilitation design is not included. And I read that and said, what is sewer lateral rehabilitation design? So basically it's the pipes in the network. Uh, so that... We're talking about the, the capacity analysis, correct? We're talking about the second contract here. This is the engineering design services for sewer rehabilitation oh. projects. Can you tell me where you saw that? Yeah, it's, the, it's on there, 
So it's attachment A, and it's the, th uh, I'm not sure it's the third page, because they only printed out the pages I needed. It's the last, it's the signature page. Yep. It starts clarifications and assumptions, and the police details the fourth bullet, and that sewer lateral rehabilitation design is not included as the fifth bullet. The sewer lateral rehabilitation design is, is I believe they're referencing the Vine Lake Cemetery. We're not designing the Vine Lake Cemetery, we're just doing the Harding Street area, but we're doing work to confirm numbers at the Vine Lake Cemetery at this point. So that design will come at a later time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, that one I was just trying to, that was just education. I didn't have a clue what that thing was. So oh. it was like, okay. I, those are, uh, yeah, those are my only questions. Okay. Thanks. Uh, motion. You're set for a motion. Do you want two motions or one? Two. We'll do them both. Okay, we'll do them both. I move to approve the contracts with Woodard and Kern for capacity analysis at the wastewater treatment plant and for engineering design services for sewer rehabilitation projects as outlined by the by Mo, by the director. Maybe I could add for anybody who's listening in: the first contract is a seventy thousand dollars contract. The second one is a hundred thousand, hundred ten thousand. I second that motion. All those in favor? Aye. Yes. Opposed. Thanks, Bob. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Good night. All right. Uh, next, we have a public hearing for the following solicitor license applications. Power home remodeling. Request from Justin Palumbo, Samuel Krajewski, Matthew Heaney, Isaac Elkhuri, and Andrew Gingras. Uh, I think first I have to declare the public hearing is now open. And do we have any presentations or anything? Or is... uh, Justin Palumbo is going to speak okay. on behalf of okay. the application. Is there something that defines what they do other than just home, power home remodeling? They'll do that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not that. Uh, not at the moment. Okay. Are these, this is a single company called Power Home Remodeling? Yes, you had a, you already approved one for a different group uh, to do Power Home Remodeling until a month ago. But we don't have anybody here to speak to it. It's a person, so we, the attendee group with just the initial J, which I assume is Justin Palumbo, but he's not responding to my request to join the meeting. <laughs> The one observation I'd make is that four of the five filled out asking for a one-year approval, and Justin asked for April 1st to June 29th of this year. So we've got, that's the, that's the one. So that is the time frame. Okay. One year until end of year. <clears throat> yeah, they, they have different yeah, times. Yeah, they do vary. <clears throat> Uh, so we don't have we don't have anybody to speak to this. I just emailed them. Okay. There's like I said, there's an individual in the attendee panel with just the letter J, who I assume is them, but they're not um, joining the meeting. Is it doing something else? Okay. Why don't we Why don't we just defer this? Yeah, we'll just defer it. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. The, the next item, uh, discussion item, and potential votes is the. Annual town meeting warrant article. So uh, 
I'm guessing, well, I don't know how long a conversation that's going to be. It might be a somewhat long conversation. Do you want to do anything before we get to that, or does it ma- doesn't matter? Are the school guess, people waiting on us, Gus, for the next item? Well, that's why that's actually why I'm asking, although uh, I know Jess Riley is going to tune in from home, and I assume she did. Uh, that could be Jess, could be the J too. Yes, too. That could be the uh, she's not, she's not, that's why she's not responding to <laughs> Justin. Um, well, if you want, we just keep, we just go down the Warren Oracle. That's, that's fine. The There's not a lot of other guests coming in anyway. So um, why don't we go ahead? How, how do you want to proceed on this, Christine? Some of these are straightforward. Some a couple of them are not. Correct. Um, I think the ones that are straightforward, I think um, we can list each Warren article and then you can uh, take a vote to support okay. it. You could do several at once if you'd like. You all have... I can go online and do it. You, you have it, okay. And Pete, you've got, you've got your copy of it? Yeah. I have a copy, yeah. I've got two copies. Okay, two copies if you... Two copies, and you only want one. Give the other one to Eileen. <laughs> Unless you. Oh, Eileen doesn't have one. Yeah. Oh. He had an extra one. Oh, fabulous! Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to suggest that we can probably dispense with the first, second, third, fourth, uh, probably the fifth. <laughs> You can um, all unless dollars. unless either of you want to hold out for more than nine hundred dollars a year <laughs> on the on the annual compensation, okay. uh, and well, uh, let, let's those first five are all routine articles that we have every year. First one is acceptance of the annual report. Second one is the acceptance of the money for perpetual care at Divine Lake. Third is author- reauthorizing annually the revolving fund amounts. Fourth is the PEG access and cable-related funds, which I believe is the article that's required to transfer the money that we get from the cable companies to Medfield TV. Fifth is the elected official compensation, which is restricted to a very limited number of people. Although it does include the town clerk's town clerk, town clerk salary, which I believe has a 2% increase consistent with the increases that other town employees have gotten. And then uh, it's the, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, uh, Board of Assessors and Board of Selectmen. All right, 900. And that's the only other ones, I believe, right? Town moderators. And I'm in eight. favor of all of those. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Second. Uh-oh. All those in favor. Articles one through five. There, let me be clear. All those in favor of the Board of Selectmen recommending approval of these articles. Yes. One through five, yes. Yeah. So that's uh, unanimous for the first five. Uh, personnel administration plan, I think, might also be straightforward in the sense that it's sort of a function of contracts. Yep. Yep. Uh, so are we also good? So Second everyone yep. uh, in favor of recommending approval of Article 6? Yes. Yes. Um, Article 7. Article 7 is the operating budget. That's the operating budget. Okay. So the operating budget... I have not done my, Nick, I'm assuming you did not do my normal score sheet that I do this year, right? I didn't expect you to. I'm just. No, we did not. Okay. So I will probably still do that for purposes, for my own knowledge, uh, because I still keep score that way. Uh, However, 
the, the, we are not looking for an override. The warrant committee has recommended approval. Uh, in going down through the list of things, the only place that is always the difference every year, I believe, is that the Warrant Committee always asks for more than the department because the Warrant Committee folds in the, the salary increases where the departments are not allowed to do that. So that's why there's that number. We often get that question. Um, and then just, uh, I think one of the major highlights that the Warrant Committee has been working on as well as the Board of Selection with the financial policy is this is the first time in recent years that there has been no free cash used to balance the operations. Right. Pen pending any outrageous spending amendments that come in at the yeah. town meeting. Uh, yeah, so free cash is on the list, but right now the expectation is that we won't use any free cash to balance things. Um, this is just curiosity, not an issue. I was curious why the Warrant Committee bumped the reserve fund up to 170,000 from its long history of being 150,000, if there was a, just curious why, that's all. Um, there were a couple of items that we thought may be uh, an expenditure that we had not anticipated throughout the year, and there were some cuts that were made that may uh, actually come to fruition okay. this year. So, so they're hedging a little bit on the reserve bit, fund, yeah. okay. Um, so based on the war, speaking personally, based on the Warrant Committee's recommendation that we approve the operating budget, I'm good. Second that? Well, I'm not moving. Oh, I'm just, okay. this is a discussion. This <laughs> I'm is a discussion. Ready. Speaking you, personally, you know I'm, I, I'm, I'm prepared <laughs> to, you know, to follow the Warrant Committee's lead on this one and also recommend approval. But that's a discussion point. Yep. Okay. 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 Good. Good. Okay. Then uh, we have uh, vote three. Three for recommending approval of the operating budget. Yep. So we're yes. good there. Uh, next one down, transferring in additional funds into the municipal uh, building stabilization fund. That one would be sort of our normal mm -hmm. procedure for replenishing the building stabilization fund. Uh, Christine, I don't think there's anything extraordinary about this year doing it. That, no, number eight, uh, article number eight, that's the reimbursements that have come in for the Dale Street project as well as unexpended appropriation funds uh, from other projects. i just add for additional color commentary, the 299000 transfer that stands out a bit is yep. being later reappropriated for the school roofs article. That that source of money comes from a previous appropriation to study the school roofs. It's being reappropriated oh, this year to actually do some improvements to the school roofs. Just so that one stands out a bit. Good. Any other any questions, comments? No, I'm good. No. So we, we have another three to nothing vote yes. for recommending <laughs> approval of Article Eight. Yep. Article Nine is the uh, appropriation funds to the municipal buildings capital stabilization fund. Uh, from, excuse me, this is the outgoing, this, this is, the is the outgoing expenditure, uh, about $1.159 million, two-thirds vote required. Um, my only question on that one, that sounded okay to me, but it said the warrant committee will be heard, so I was curious what was holding so, on So uh, they've since approved it. At okay. the time this went to print, uh, they had not finished okay. uh, okay. hearing from capital budget. Okay, so, so that's that been approved. Okay, so. I'll just color that whole thing in in green now then. Okay, that's And totally... any updates to, by the time we get to town meeting, they will have taken action on all of these, uh, and those are updated on the 2022 town meeting website. Okay. So any discussion of Article 9? Nope, I am good. Nope. Nope, so we have three nothing 
vote recommending approval of Article 9? Yes. Okay. I'm doing this informally because I think all we're doing is taking a vote recommending approval. It's not like an action. So yes. uh, anyone's wondering why we're being quite as casual, it seems like we can. Um, Article 10, transfer funds into the Capital Stabilization Fund. So this is the money going into the Capital Stabilization Fund. And uh, I believe this year, this, this, and this one is a fund we've never passed an override on. So, so right. far, so far, this particular stabilization fund has been funded each year by a unique uh, and non-increasing tax levy approach to where we had funds that we could put into it. Right. So, Last year we appropriated right. 751,000 in free cash. Okay. And then we anticipate this year that it would be a two-year appropriation. Okay. Meaning, this is half of the aid that we're getting, and we're going to have an equivalent amount next year for another $2 million. Yes? Is that what? No. No. Uh, no. This See, is, this is why I wanted to make sure. This is $2 million from free cash, and we're anticipating that $2 million into the capital In other words, there's no guarantee that we're going to find another rabbit to pull out of the hat Correct. next year. Got it. Okay. Uh, and I think I think the intent was probably to try to hit like a million a year as the... Yes. And the, we have uh, discussed it with the Capital Budget Committee that if ARCO funds are allowed and released by Norfolk County, that we would be using that for capital to extend the life of that $2 million yeah. free cash. Okay. Okay. Any questions on that? Do we have a three... Three nothing vote to recommend approval? Yes. yes. Okay, so that one, we're good. Uh, the FY, uh, Article 11, FY23 capital budget. Um, Two million dollars in capital funds from a combination 100,000 from the tax levy, 1.1 million from the capital stabilization fund, 85,000 parks and rec revolving fund, 368,000 water enterprise free cash, and 398,000 sewer enterprise free cash. Any questions, comments on that one? Are we good recommending approval of Article 11? Article 12, FY23, Water and Sewer Enterprise Fund Budget. So uh, for those who pay attention to this stuff, I think it was just last year that we broke out the Enterprise Fund Budgets as their own separate article. Uh, so this was, as of last year, was sort of a changed way of doing business. Probably, you know, I can see it being an improved way of doing business because we're, we're giving better or greater, I don't know, better, but greater visibility of the water and sewer enterprise funds. So uh, that, and, and we basically ask the voters to separately approve those enterprise funds. So any questions or comments on that one? No. 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 Looks good. So we good three, all yeah, three of yes. us recommending approval yeah. of that one. Okay. Uh, article thirteen is paying old debt, old bills, uh, and that one totaled out to uh, four thousand eight hundred seventy nine dollars and seventy eight cents. We may be slow, but we're honest. <laughs> uh, I'm going to increase that by ninety five dollars. Oh wait a minute! There wait a minute! That's going to have to go back through the word committee. Plus ninety five dollars. That's gonna well. It's gonna keep it under five thousand. There was a bill that came in today. Oh, that's for what fiscal year? Twenty. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Okay, so it, it always fascinates when we have ones that go back to two thousand nineteen. It's like where were they? Uh, I why did I do this? I guess it was because oh, I guess I was just curious. This was one where there was no recommendation from the warrant committee one way or the other. Just 
They have approved it. They have approved it. So we're good on that one. I can color that one in all green. Uh, good. Um, Article 14, the new school building committee bylaw. Um, I have issues. <laughs> and just to be clear, this is the one that they that the moderator assigned. Uh, this is okay. the one that has the committee. Yeah. Okay. This one is. Yep. Any? Start with you. On your mind. So let me just go to what we have here. Um, <coughs> bless you. I'm going through it. I don't have. I, I see what they're doing. I, I, after what we just experienced, I think they're trying to bring a broader group of people in, varying backgrounds, uh, different age groups. So, in, in the spirit of what I know, we're trying to do so we can get a school here. Mm -hmm. I support. Okay. I was okay with it too. Okay. So I have the issues. Let me tell you what they are. Okay. Um, there's a couple things on section on paragraph L. It says. There's a, at the bottom, last sentence, the committee or the SBC, as applicable, shall meet with the applicant. So at this point, we're still talking about overall building committee rules. Um, shall meet with the applicant department, and if the project is deemed viable by the committee or the SBC as applicable, shall present its findings to the Board of Selectmen for approval to start a feasibility study. The question I have on this is how are we defining viable? What does it mean for a project to be viable? And in particular, the concern I have is that viability, in my mind, should include an assessment of the cost of that project as part of viability. Otherwise, I don't really know what viability means. Uh, you know, so that's one concern I have. Just a quick question, Blair yeah. So is that, is that new, or I was under the impression, and maybe I've got this wrong, that that these up until n those those would have been in place so we so we can tweak what was what's been, okay. this is a whole yeah there's okay a, there, there's a sentence that's been added to now okay yeah. yeah so my my real it's it's actually just a question I don't have a position because I don't know what viable means so that's a totally legit yeah. yeah the the deemed viable is in the existing permanent planning and building do you know what it, what what did it mean in the existing one do you know so to me, viable, I mean, I'm assuming we're only putting up buildings that are technologically feasible, so they're viable that way. Perhaps a building is we undertake when we believe there is a validated need. So it could be viable in the sense that it's a building that we truly believe we need based on some analysis of need. But my observation in this past year is that the issue of cost mm -hmm does not get brought in up front with, with regard to expectations, but we tend to just kind of look at what we need and build up what we need and come out with a number and then look around and wonder whether it's good or not. So I actually think that if we're gonna do this at this early stage where we're deciding to launch, there should be a clear projected cost for that number, or it might be an envelope. It might be worst case, best case, but simply saying, what do you want and, uh, and then, under under an undefined term viable seems like it's deficient. I completely agree now, on the next page in sec section paragraph paragraph P. I would just say to you, Gus, on that point, that this is this is very early on in the process, and so that it's I think you need a lot of flexibility if, if this is just a 
Well, what does viable mean, though, Pete? It just means that it can probably be done. I mean, someone's making some sort of determination. The pharaohs built the, pyramids. The, the original, and I didn't draft this original bylaw. I simply reviewed it. Uh, but the original impetus was that there were various town boards, committees, interest groups who were off advocating for major capital projects. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they were assuming the life of their own. And this was an attempt to put a screening process in place. So it, it means financially viable in some respect, whether in the context of town budgeting, what people can afford, whatever. But it's economics. So it's not clear to me that that was done with this last project for sure. So my point, I'm not against the idea that we would look at the viability of a project before we undertake it. I'm saying, I don't know if we're going to, if we're going to improve this, we ought to improve it in a way that actually defines what that means. Cause right now it's sort of an empty word. It doesn't appear to me that we, if I had to try to say, well, how have we been defining viability might be, well, we want it. And, and that's not necessarily as precise as I'd like to see in light of what, what happened. Um, so sec in paragraph P, subparagraph B, sub subparagraph three, it says the board, of so the board of selectmen shall appoint four voting members to the SBC. This, so now we're into just SBC requirements. Mm -hmm. One appointment will be a current planning board member selected by the planning board to represent the planning board's interests, including without limitation, the interests of the townwide master plan. The townwide pl master plan has no interest. It's a document. The planning board approved the townwide master plan. So to the extent that the town, the planning board wants to pursue or push for the things that are in the townwide master plan, the planning board already has the power to do that. So I read that and I said, first off, I don't know why there's any reference to the townwide master plan there other than if you wanted to say the planning board has its interests, you know, in pursuit of the carrying out the townwide master plan, I'm good with it. But when it says including without limitation, what does that mean? What does it mean without limitation? The, the interests of a planning document makes no sense to me. So that I think is deeply flawed. I'm actually surprised that they came up with that. And then if they go farther, the other three appointments that we're selecting four, we're appointing four. This paragraph is telling us who those four kind of will be. The, uh, the three appointments will be residents with expertise in pertinent areas such as architecture, building engineering, commercial or municipal construction, and or construction slash law contracts, at least one of which appointees shall have expertise in energy sustainability measures, including knowledge of Medfield's energy goals to meet net zero. I have two questions. I have two reactions to that. First off, if the Board of Selectmen is going to be dictated on who our four appointees will be in such a narrow, specific way, when this is a bylaw that for, for the foreseeable future is what will be in place, which says the Board of Selectmen will have no discretion about deciding what particular interests should be represented, 
we already have a fairly weak board of selectmen in this town in terms of our authority. This is gutting the board of selectmen's power even more, and as far as I can tell, even more to advance specific interests that there's nothing wrong with them. It's just that when it becomes a specification of who the board of selectmen shall appoint, that's the second out of four that we're basically told what that person will be. Sure. I'm just saying, look, if you don't want the Board of Selectmen to be involved in appointing people for building committees, then take the authority away from us and let other people be responsible and accountable for the buildings that come up. I find this totally unacceptable because it is so restrictive and so narrow. So that entire paragraph failed the smell test for me. Uh, first part, because I don't even know what it means. Second part, because I actually resent the fact that someone would attempt to tell the Board of Selectmen how we need to make decisions when we are involved in appointing people for a building committee uh, for schools. The mm -hmm. other point about that, incidentally, when it comes to making sure that these are the people, why does it only apply to school buildings? Right, right. If you're going to do this, shouldn't it apply to all of the buildings in town? Sure. So I just find that paragraph completely flawed. I'm opposed to this article based on that particular paragraph. Not opposed to what we're trying to do with the article, but and I understand why we're trying to do it, but the, the idea that we lose all discretion to deal with issues here in town, uh, it's not acceptable to me. So I'm not on board with that one. No, I, you know what, I appreciate your insight on that. It, be, being the, the rookie in this chair and not realizing to the detail of, of assigning people to the boards, and you guys have certainly done it more than myself, um, I don't disagree with what you just said there. I think that it's important that um, you know, the people we would select, we would certainly be putting in a position to, to aid the efforts, not hinder the efforts. I'm not at all sure. I, I don't, if I looked at what we would do, I actually think a lot of what we would do using our own discretion is exactly what's here. Sure. And, and I think you can look back at some of the things that we're carrying out right now, and you can, t you can see that we actually have done that. I just resent that this is being built into the bylaws that basically ties our hands and tells us what we have to do. It's like, just take us out of it. Let this be some other random group of people rather than the executive board of the town exercising its judgment. That's my, my view on that. So let me ask a question on that. So moving towards a town meeting, could this be modified at any point or is this something that would just not get supported at all? Well, right now, as it's written, I'm not prepared to support it. Um, this has already gone to the printers. So I guess if the, just to be clear, the people that have been appointed this committee, I'm a little bit stunned that this even got in there. The whole thing is fine, but I'm a little bit stunned that it made it in because uh, I have a pretty high regard for the people. So I'm not attacking the people. I just saying that. I think, Christine, it's always possible to come into the town meeting with an amended article because we've done that. Right. So. Within limits. Yeah, well, this is, yeah, so if this would, if the limits would allow for that to be corrected. Well, it's a moder ultimately, it's a moderator's discretion yeah. as to how, how substantial he feels mm -hmm. the amendments are. Yeah. So what I would think from a process standpoint between now and the 2nd of May, to the extent that anybody besides me feels this way about that particular section of the bylaws and, and of lesser importance, that issue around defining viability, if the committee were able to come up with revised wording that addressed my concerns, and we knew that that was 
what the revised article was, and the moderator felt that the revisions were not substantive changes, I would be quite happy to turn, you know, to switch from being against it to being for it, because I'm not fundamentally against everything else that it's trying to do. Uh, but as it stands right now, I'm against it. So I'm fine with it. Um, I think that it makes absolute sense to have a planning board member on there. Please. I think it makes absolute sense to have people that have experience in the building of buildings, of schools. And I think it makes absolute sense to have somebody uh, with knowledge of the energy efficiency, the net zero goals of the town. We would have gotten to a net zero school a lot faster if we'd had one of those people uh, Alaska. I, I disagree so with I, that. I actually think the net zero will help contribute to why it failed. I disagree with that. So we're in disagreement. Yeah, Pete. we're in disagreement. Right, we're in disagreement. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this is fine the way it is. I mean, you, you're talking about uh, uh, three of the members. Uh, uh, it's a very large board, and certainly to have three of them have have expertise in the building of oh, schools you, is absolutely fine for me. So I don't have a right. problem with it. You know, the schools will, and, and the moderator will appoint whoever they do. So those could be those other people that. You would prefer point apparently. I, I didn't. I, I was not arguing with who you would appoint. I was arguing with the board of selectmen not really having the discretion to be able to determine for the town exactly. who it's most important to be on the board. In your case, Pete, it sounds like you don't care about being told. I do. I I I don't mind having the uh, discretion limited to people that are expertise right. in the area. Right. I do. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. No, and I, I definitely hear what you're saying, yeah. Gus. That that. If as they're laying this out, now that you've opened my mm -hmm. eyes to, this, to what's being done, is some of these people could be appointed by other groups. But now they're coming to the Board of Selectmen saying, okay, you can pick four. By the way, already, we already picked two for you, so you really picked two. That we've, already, we've already defined who, who we want you to assign. Yeah. And, and I think it is kind of odd that it's done in that manner. Instead of saying, you could pick four. Obviously, they need to be residents, and obviously we want expertise. But to 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 your point, to really narrow it so tightly is kind of odd. And and Pete, to be honest, I mean, the issue isn't oh, I don't think we should have somebody who knows how to put up buildings there. I actually that piece of it, the idea that the selectman would be the one that would choose who that has that building expertise, that, so that it would be somebody we're satisfied with. I don't. It's not the issue of I don't think we need people who know about buildings on there, and it doesn't bother me that the board of selectmen is in the position to probably be the ones to make that determination. What bothers me is the specification of two out of four. That's the part that I find unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. I can I can operate within those uh, parameters. Right. That doesn't bother me. Right. It's actually three out of four, probably. Yep, at least three out of four. Um, so anyway, that's where we stand on that one. Sort of, I would just suggest we defer. You, we, we, you don't need to know our answers on the recommendations, so we we can defer on that one for the time being. Uh, the Warren Committee, just for everybody's knowledge, the Warren Committee is taking this article up uh, next Wednesday. The fourteenth. Yes. Okay. Well. I guess I'll have to make sure they've heard what I had to say. Uh, next, Mr. Chairman, I didn't know if you were interested in taking any public comment. Megan oh, yeah, Sullivan did raise her hand. Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. Do, you can. So, Megan Sullivan, I see. Uh, Megan, come on. Is that the only one? Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Yeah. That's can you hear me? Yes. Hey, Megan. Oh. Hi, everybody. Hey. Um, my um, only question is I'm trying to get my head around this and how it um, 
relates or doesn't include any relationship to the permanent building committee, which I, I think is maybe on purpose, but I think is a big reaction to the last plan. So I'm, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about that. It's a good question, Lee. Is there nobody? I can address it. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's a separate committee with a separate composition specifically for school projects. But right, but I think the good question is why is there no representation from the permanent planning building? Right. That would have to come from the committee that came up with this. Yeah, that's a good catch. So the Permanent Planning and Building Committee is on the building committees for the non-school. Hmm. But uh, I missed that part. So Great, great question, Megan. Mr. Chairman. Yes. So just to put this in context, school building assistance has regulations which provide for a school project building committee, which they require to be established in each case where there is a project approved or to be approved by them. They specify what the composition of that will be. They are willing to look at a local bylaw, but they then make their own determination whether that satisfies their requirements or not. Is that an MSBA statement that you're making, or is that just? That's MSBA. Okay. Mark, I, when this came up with the other, with the last year's project, I thought I thought there was a conversation that basically said the MSBA does not overwrite what the requirements of a town are, but they may put added requirements on, which which basically. If that's true, there's no reason why we couldn't have a member of the, you know, we couldn't specify a member of the permanent building committee to be on the school building committee. Like I said, they spell out in their regulations what the composition should be. They will compare their requirements to the local bylaw and make their own determination whether that local bylaw, that local committee satisfies the requirements and you can then use your committee that's already in place or know you have to start over, which is what happened here the first time around. The determination was made that the requirements we had in place for the permanent planning and building committee were too narrow in terms of the membership for what MSBA was going to require. That's why they started basically an ad hoc committee. Did, the, did that actually, so it, did that actually involve us removing people from the committee we started and then adding other people? Or they formed because, a new committee. But, but were the people on the old committee still there and then we added more people or did we actually pull people off because the MSBA? There was no. some overlap. I believe people came over from the permanent planning yeah. building committee. That's, that's, so that's, that's what I'm saying. So the MSBA could have required us to have a bigger committee, but they wouldn't say, well, your bylaws say this is who has to be on the committee. You need to take this person off no. and you need to add. It's this more like people. they want to see certain composition yeah. on no, that that's committee. Okay. Yeah, I, I get that. They being MSBA. Right. I get that. Uh, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah. Chris Potts, Seven Curve. Um, Mark, can you just clarify, though, the committee itself even clarified this, that the MSBA regulations actually are not mandatory. They're recommended. 
So if you looked at 40 some compositions of school building committees from across the state, they're very, the, the, the composition of those committees vary greatly in terms of who's on it. Um, there's some core core positions that are always filled, like having construction expertise, but there's a, a range of people that are, serve on those committees. And through the review process, they did, I know it was Sarah Lemke and some of the attorneys that were on that committee, did, did specify a couple times that the regulations itself do not make it mandatory, it's just recommended. So, I mean, you can talk to that better than I can, but they were just reading from the regulations. There's the regulations as they exist in theory on paper, as anybody from the outside might read them, and then there's the actual practice of how they operate at school MSBA and how they apply them. Yeah, Mark, I'm just trying to get a feel for whether the likelihood that the if we had if we had a configuration that we said this is our committee, I'm trying to picture the likelihood that the MSBA would say no, we don't like this position that you have on your committee, take it off. I can see the MSBA saying you need to have these other positions or these other members because we have certain concerns. So I can see it getting bigger. But but I'm, I don't think they would knock people off. Yeah, I think okay. they would simply say we want to see this representation right. there, right. more people from the school administration right. or more people from whatever. And they so, actually suggest also people with expertise in the building industry. Yeah. So if, if, you know, just theoretically, if we had a requirement for a member of the permanent building committee to be on this building committee, and let's say the MSBA saw absolutely no value whatsoever in having somebody from a town's permanent building committee on the building committee, they wouldn't say you have to get rid of them. They might, but they might force you to put another person with another kind of expertise on so you'd wind up with a bigger committee. Particularly, again, people from the school background, if yeah. you had eliminated yeah. that. Yeah. And as far as appointed, elected, whatever the process is, they don't get into that nitty-gritty either. Mm -hmm. they're, they're willing to defer to how you go about doing the selection process. Mm -hmm. They're looking at the qualifications and for lack of a better term that they want to see mm -hmm. on the committee. Mm -hmm. I, did note, I did note a little nuanced clause in this bylaw that uh, aside from the part that specifically talks about selectmen not being on it, there's an earlier clause that says, no town employee can be on it. So now that we've just approved our nine hundred dollar town employee <laughs> salary, we, we were we were eliminated on the first page before we ever got to the the specific uh, passage there. Like I did get a chuckle out of that. Uh, okay. Uh, any other comments, uh, Megan? Thanks for the that point because I actually think that's another worthwhile point to ask whether a member of the permanent building committee should be on that. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess now we can go on to article 15. I wonder if Scott's timing us to see if these guys can't get through this by 10 o'clock. Uh, I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah it's just a sort of a test run. So article 15 is to amend the town charter to change the name of the board of selectmen to select board. There's a whole bunch of specific editorial changes that have to be made to affect that. This article, if it passes, will still require confirmation in the in an election, which will probably take place in March of 2023. So this is like a debt override. You have to approve the article, and then uh, and, and then if it passed, huh? And then if it passed, then we would have to go back and put in a prophylactic change in all the bylaws to bring them into compliance. Okay. okay. So. Uh, 
At any rate, administratively, this may take a while even yet, but the first step in this long process is to get the, uh, uh, the voters to pass judgment on Article 15. Any discussion? No. No. I thought you were going to hang out for the, you wanted the Okay. People spoke earlier. They wanted so. Yeah. Okay. That prophylactic change in the bylaws that you're talking about is that just wording changes to make sure it was Yeah, and once the charter is changed, then then it it may be as simple as one bylaw that applies an amendment that applies to all bylaws and says wherever one term is used, substitute this term right throughout it, rather than have to go through. Plus, we gave the town clerk authority some years ago to do editing. Mm-hmm. So that in combination should make that part easier. Okay. When does the name change become official then? At the, at the election? Next yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you want to run for re-election? I have to get you signed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any uh, comments? We three, three in favor of yes. recommending approval? Recommend approval. So three nothing recommend approval. Uh, 16 is amending the zoning table use to include food pantries. Uh, was it food pantries? Yeah, Meaning truck, that's a truck, but it's a pantry because it's... No, it's it's the uh, food cupboard. Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. Food okay, okay. got it. Okay. Yeah. It opens. So, so, so there was an issue when they were looking for another location from the church where the zoning didn't permit it, and that was standing in the way. So this was okay. put in place to facilitate being able to relocate okay. the food cupboard. Okay. Any discussion? Everybody in support? Yes. yes. Nothing. Recommend approval. Uh, 17, amending the zoning map, which is... Uh, this is this is correcting the well area designations on the map for well 3A. Uh, there was a mistake, I believe, in the two. Chris will know this. It's the 2,000 foot linear dimension that was on the map incorrectly, as I recall. Um, so basically, you're, we're correcting an error on the map to make sure that it's properly delineated. Yes, yes, we're matching the map to the words. I like that. All right. We good three nothing there. Yes, yes. Recommend approval. Okay, um, eighteen appro- appropriate funds for the an elementary school feasibility study. This is so. My only question on this one: Have we gotten a request from the school committee for these funds? We have not. So that not appropriate for us to. Not that we're against it, but it's not appropriate for us to. So we had this conversation with the Warren committee the last week, and they've decided to approve it, pending the request of. Um, well, what I'm getting at is that this is, I, I think Jess Riley's listening, so if, if not, I, I can follow up with her. I, I don't want to be, no, what, what the, the alarm bell that goes off for me is why wouldn't the schools, is there a reason why the school committee has a reservation? And if there is, 
I'd like to know what it is before I go and recommend approval of an article that may or may not represent what the school committee wants to do. So I, 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 I may not, maybe I'm missing a nuance here, but it seems to me it would make more sense to wait until we know for sure what the school committee wants us to do before we just kind of decide to. Why don't we hold on this? Yeah, we just hold on that one. Yeah, okay. So that's a hold. Uh, without, uh, what did they say, hold without prejudice? <laughs> um, I've been with you here for five years, Pete. I have to pick something up on this. Um, open space and recreation plan is <coughs> 19. Uh, oh, uh, before we go to 19, just to, just this is just a question. On 18, the funding for 250000 180,000 of that comes from the MSBA grant reimbursement interest account. That's the other, that's that longstanding account. Okay, I just want to make sure that because we put the MSBA reimbursements in one place and okay, that's that other account. So instead of transferring this interest account to the municipal building stabilization fund, transferring it again, we're trying to save accounting. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm good with that. I just wanted to be sure I was, my score sheet was right. So Article 19 is $25,000 for the costs associated with the preparation of an open space and recreation plan. I have some, so another coming. Uh, to be honest, I'm not well versed in this one, so I'd be happy to hear what you have to say. Okay. I know that we need it, so I'm in favor of it from that standpoint. So I have two, two issues. Number one, what's the $25,000 for? It's hiring a consultant to complete the so that's what bothers me a little bit because what we're doing is we're hiring consultants to do the planning work and I'm not convinced the planning work is being is going to get done properly. The issue I have, it, it, I'm not against open space. This town has a lot of open space. I do have an objection to the town asking voters to pay for land to accrue land that we show absolutely no commitment to maintaining, taking care of, or making available to people. I specifically asked the townwide master plan as part of their charter to come up with a plan for the maintenance of open space. And I was told that they viewed it as being sort of in the weeds and not worth their concern. That did not make me even remotely happy because what we have is an issue that's still here. So if we're going to do an open space plan, I don't want a pink puppies and unicorn plan. Let's have a spaghetti dinner and bring everybody in and ask them about the land that they want. I want a real plan that has real maintenance plans that, that says how we're going to maintain the things that we buy. And the first step in that is how do we maintain the stuff that we have? And then we can talk about buying more stuff. But I don't perceive this to be the plan that's going to get us there. I perceive this to be yet another document that's going to come out and say the people of Medfield want more open space. And it's going to be used as an open-ended checkbook to say the people said they want it. Mm -hmm. So I, I want some accountability and responsibility in here around the maintenance of that open space. And once we demonstrate the commitment and the ability to do that, to include potentially paying for it, because some of this probably does cost money. Mm -hmm. Once we know that we have that commitment to take care of what we have, I'm delighted to entertain other opportunities to expand the open space in town. It's, it's one of the strategies we have for keeping us from being turned into a, an overdeveloped community that we really don't want. But right now, I, I'm not in favor of this 
for that reason, not because of the purpose, but because I am absolutely frustrated at this town's lack of discipline and accountability around how we take care of the land that we take care of. And I was absolutely specific in my request when we did the townwide master planning and it got blown off. Is that so I guess we'll put a hold on that. Yeah. So let me just uh, uh, sure. say a couple things about that, Gus. As far as the townwide master plan, I mean, that really it's not really the appropriate thing for the townwide master plan to be doing. There, of course the, it is. The, the, the Conservation Commission is tasked with doing this open space and recreation plan, I think. And, and part of the problem has been that the Conservation Commission was trying to do it on a volunteer basis. <clears throat> One of the members was trying to do it on their own, and it just never got done. Uh, I think it actually eventually did get done, didn't it, Chris? But it, it's, I mean, the timing is such that it needs to be redone. Yeah, it, it took over six years to complete it. Um, and so, we're, and we did not get a full approval on the plan. We have a conditional acceptance. So by not having a, an active open space and recreation plan, we're not potentially eligible for grants. Um, so it, it ties our hands if we don't have this. So that, I, I agree with you that we don't, we don't spend money on the land that we have. I hear this from the Conservation Commission because I happen to have a close relationship with a Conservation Commission member right. who tells me all the time that, that the town doesn't spend money. They, they, they ask the Conservation Commission to maintain and run the, 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 these lands for the town, but the, the, the town never gives the Conservation Commission any money to do it. You, uh, several years ago, 10, 15 years ago, we. We started spending money on, on trying to keep some of the ponds uh, uh, healthier, environmentally healthier, trying to keep from the eutrophication from, from occurring. But you know, we, we ran into financial difficulties, and so that, that was one of the things that got cut out. And I don't think we're doing that anymore. Um, so that we have a problem in that, you know, how much do you want your taxes to be in this town? So that we just there are a lot of things we just don't do, unfortunately. And, and maintaining our, our lands is one of the things. I agree that I think we should, but I don't know that there's much appetite for people in town to be We paying should more be tax. buying more open space. So part of that, and I, I will refer you to uh, Dave Henkels, who's the Conservation Commission agent, put together uh, it's a three-page uh, explanation of the plan, and part of the plan does state it will recommend a budget for the maintenance of town-wide uh, open space. Yeah, it's more so. than budget. It's, well, it's allocation of responsibilities is there, there's a there's a see that's why I don't think you give a consultant twenty five thousand dollars and get this an, this answered. It may be that to do it to do what I'm asking for may be more expensive than that to get a plan or maybe we put together a really quick plan that meets the letter of the law to be eligible for grants and then leverage those grants. But what I actually see and and Pete, I actually think that you're sort of reinforcing the point is. We don't take care of the land that we have. So a plan that's going to talk about how we're going to add to that land doesn't make sense to me. I, I am open first up. I appreciate your point, Pete, about how I don't I don't agree with the townwide master plan part, but I do appreciate the point you're making about the Conservation Commission basically trying to do this on a shoestring. And Christine, I will listen because you didn't know I was going to come in with this tonight. Um, I will listen to an argument. If there's an argument I'm not understanding here around why this relatively small $25,000 expenditure gets us something that gets us that maintenance and the clear allocation of responsibility, I'm okay with that. But right now when I read this, 
this sounds to me like this is public involvement, which means pink puppies and unicorns about, yes, we want more land. And that will be what we'll conclude. And we'll say, we need more land. And I just think that's irresponsible right now. It, it, getting this done is a requirement for these state grants so that if we don't do this, we are going to become ineligible. But I don't know that you need to hire a, a $25,000 consultant to do that if who's, who's you just gonna, need to get it done. Do who's going to do it, Gus? Well, it depends I mean, yeah, how well. It all depends. Well, you got to start. A member of the, of the you have a start. Commission. Yeah, take what we have and update years. it. Then there's our plan. So that is an option. Um, I just. I'd be remiss if I did not remind you that you put in my goals to come up with uh, what our existing open space land is and to use management budget. So that does fall under my... Um, how, how are you coming? <laughs> this is great. Okay. It's, really, it's going really well. Well, as I, as I, as I said... I will. I, I, I blindsided you with that one, Christine. So I'm willing no, to listen. To, I'm willing to listen to what I don't understand here that would lead me to say, "Hey, guys, let's let's go for this twenty-five thousand. It's not the money. It's right. the focus." I, no, I understand right. that. So I'm actually going to have Dave Henkel from the Conservation Commission reach out and have okay. a conversation with you okay. uh, directly about that. I Great. don't want to speak for the conservation or for Dave, but I will send you all the um, three-page summary that we put together. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to suggest we just put that on hold. And okay, so we put that one on hold. Um, uh, Article 20 is a citizen's position uh, uh, petition to amend existing or proposed town permanent planning and building bylaw and or any proposed school building project bylaw to include a, to include a requirement that at least one public hearing shall be held before the lead project committee votes on a new site for a school or town building or do or act anything in relation thereto. Uh, well, in the spirit, I think, of what just went down and for the citizens that are saying, hey, we would like to make sure that going mm -hmm. forward we get a voice, that there's no chance that it can be compressed into one meeting. Mm -hmm. um, I absolutely see where this is coming from. I, mm -hmm. I think it's sending the right signal that we heard what maybe didn't go so well and we want to reinforce going forward that never happens again. Okay. Pete? I'm fine having a public hearing. I think it's public hearings are always a good idea. So my only issue here on this one, I actually put it as a no, but not because I'm against what it does. It seems to me this is redundant to the requirement that's in the broader school building or, or building bylaw revision. There is a place in there that talks about having to have that kind of a hearing. Um, so if the other article passes, this seems to be redundant to me. If it doesn't pass, then it's not redundant. Mm -hmm. And so it would be a more modest change. So I put it down as a, as a no, not because I'm actively against it, but because I wanted to ask the question in tonight's meeting, does it make sense to retain a redundant article, recognizing there's no guarantee that the article that it's redundant with is gonna be passed what I was wrestling with is, so the selectmen presumably at some point would recommend approval of the bylaw change that the bylaw committee came up with, and then we're going to recommend approval of the redundant article. So, so I assume, without speaking for the moderator, that he will take this up in conjunction with the other amendment. Okay. And for those, uh, and I believe some are present who submitted this, uh, the motions are going to need to be specific in terms of where you're proposing to insert this in the existing bylaw or this draft bylaw or both. Uh, so if you need assistance with that language between now and town meeting, 
I'm happy to help you, but it's going to have to be fairly specific. So that might be a Well, I just, Chris, if you can clarify, I know there was some discussion about this at the warrant committee, that the proposed school committee bylaw does not address your concern in the citizen's petition that it would be any time. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. And so it, it so it covers the school building piece, but it does not cover the the all the other town buildings. Got it. That's not what it says. Though. It's a, no. The other bylaw. So the other bylaw okay. covers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, one right, says exactly. a school or town building. Right. Yep. Exactly. Right. Um, so, yeah. And the other bylaws. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So in all, just to, in the absence of this, if you were going to uh, site a town building or a school on land that's not currently being used for those purposes, in all likelihood it would require a two-thirds town meeting vote anyway to change the use. Like the closest thing I can think of that's a clean example would be when we approved the COA putting a building up on Ice right. House Road. The, interestingly, the wording around this, around new site, uh, and I'm thinking particularly of the of the school issue is when you are putting a you know to go back to the arguments from last fall you say well it's the new it's the Dale Street school project well the Dale Street school isn't this entity that's somewhere it's like it's a school project if you put a school on the Wheelock site that still is a school site so I was I found myself wondering in the wording of that bylaw what's constitutes what if what if you don't call anything dale street school you change the name of the school or what if you change the configuration of grades in town to where there is no exact replica of the original school how does that play out i, I i'm sure we'll figure it out when we hit the hit that spot but um so Mark, the issue I had was I didn't want, it seems kind of stupid for the Board of Selectmen to recommend approval of one article and then recommend approval of a different article that basically duplicates it. But The article's the almost fact, a placeholder, and in this case, you really need to see the specific proposed motions to be able to take a position on it, and it would be my recommendation so to you. You'd recommend we hold until... And encourage the uh, proponents to get their proposed motions in or work with the committee to incorporate that so that you don't need this article if that's possible i mean i can see you said either you know either the new or the existing i can see the option would probably be both because it would be well doesn't matter if the other one doesn't pass we would want this to survive we would want this to insert in whatever yes. the operative bylaw is so that's probably not a hard decision i don't think is it uh, as a proponent. <laughs> <laughs> I just actually want to ask Mark um, to clarify what you just said about if you were to site a town building in a new location, that would have to come to town meeting? So like if Park and Recreation wanted to build their facility up at, uh, uh, on the, you know, the, on McCarthy, McCarthy, would that have to come before town meeting, that decision? It depends whether, if I, I should, have said generally speaking if they have land that already under the care custody control that can uh, accommodate a new building then no oh, okay. uh, although frankly to build it they're going to need uh, 
in all likelihood, borrowing authority, which is a two-thirds vote at town meeting anyway. But um, if the, if it were by default, the, the Board of Selectmen has care custody control of any land that's not under a specific Board of Commission. So as Gus gave the example, we there was a transfer by town meeting to COA for that, the COA facility uh, as part of that development. Um, so, so typically, town meeting is going to be involved. Somebody, so other than town, at some point you end up at town meeting, and somewhere in the process, if not the siting, then certainly the borrowing. So, if you want it earlier, that's fine, but that doesn't bind town meeting anyway. So, well, so well, I guess we put it on hold now until we know for sure what that article is really going to say and how it's going to work. But again, uh, my comments weren't because I was against the substance of the article. I was just from a process standpoint, wasn't sure whether it made sense. So we'll put that one on hold. Uh, the final one is uh, Article 20, uh, 22 is free cash, which we don't do anything with. Article 21, appropriate funds to repair a portion of the roof at the Blake Middle School and the high school gyms. Uh, that's just a special appropriation to take care of a capital improvement. Any, any comments on that one? No, it makes sense. Pete? Yeah, and I'm on that, so that's three enough and recommend approval. All right. That's it for the... Christine, you, I have a question. Sure. So we have going to have a very, I think, intense three months coming up on the environmental issues at the hospital. And this would be probably the second year in a row where we haven't put any money in for an environmental, uh, you know, legal consultant or anything else. Are we going to have sufficient funds to cover? We think we're fine. As I mentioned earlier, we increased the reserve funds with our. Great. Uh, you know my concerns. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, maybe that would be a little long. Is uh, do we have Justin? We haven't yet closed the public hearing. I guess. Justin is here, or do we just maybe we just defer that till to now, wherever we are? Now you're going to continue it. Can we continue it till continue next it? Tuesday? Yeah, we continue it till next Tuesday. Okay, okay. At a specified time. <laughs> and, and I guess I don't know if this helps anybody if anybody is listening, but the inconsistencies in the requested time periods, we are assuming that this is the time period specified on Justin's application, not the longer time periods that the other applicants. I will, have, I will have Brittany follow up with them tomorrow okay. morning once and confirm that they'll be here next Tuesday and clarify. I think we had an earlier unrelated hearing where somebody was kind of open-ended and kind of pushed it out as far as they could and then drew it back under question is what was the least amount of time you needed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see, next. So this is continued. Uh, discuss submission of statement of interest up to the Massachusetts, State, uh, Massachusetts School Building Authority. Uh, I understand we do not yet have that final statement of interest, so it's not actionable at this point. Uh, Jess Riley said she would be on in case we had questions, and I don't know that if we don't have the SOI, we probably don't have questions, but certainly I would, if she's on and if she has anything that she wants to say, uh, you can raise your hand and we'll we'll let you do that. Uh, the only, I'm jumping ahead here only because it's materials. The thing that we did get was the 
required form of vote to submit the statement of interest. There was a statement below that says, please be sure that the priorities in the vote which match the priorities for which the SOI will be submitted. I assume this is a form that's just telling us how to, what it's supposed to look like, because the priorities here were a repair to a building and then building a new one. It's like, that's backwards. But th this is just, this is just instruction. Anybody want to talk anything about the SOI no, I in think the absence well, of the SOI? No, well, I think more importantly, I think we're also waiting for a response. Um, I know that Chris had some good questions, and I and actually asked Denise uh, a lot of questions about the MSBA and the process mm -hmm. can go forward, and we haven't received anything back. So I think what's important is the next seven days, hopefully we will get some feedback. Did you hear anything? Where do we get back from who? Um, were you, were you, were you, did you share the email that went to... Denise and to yeah, Sean. Okay. No, I saw that. Okay. I saw that, but we have not communicated with the MSBA. Uh, no, we no, but the MSBA. What we were asking the uh, well, I'll, I don't want to speak for you, Chris, but I I asked Denise some of these questions at on election day about working through the process because she is very uh, Denise is very pro, rightfully so, for the MSBA. Um, since we've already gone through it once, are there changes? Can it be tweaked? Because we do we have to start as if we have, we're, we're rookies or after everything is went through, are there things that we can ask the MSGA? And I haven't heard anything. I don't believe you've heard anything. And it, 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 if we go into this, let's go into this with our eyes wide open and we you know, have time between now and the 29th. Let me, let me counter that perspective a little bit. Mm -hmm. School project is first and foremost the school committee. Can you talk about that or not? Uh, as we've talked about this since the failed vote, so there's an open issue around whether we will, you know, go and pursue MSBA funding relative to what we define as the school that we want and what's possible and what's not. I am. I think we all should be citizens, officials, everybody should be reluctant to decide that we want to get in on the game before the school committee has a chance to develop its own strategy for doing that. If you choose to ask questions of the MSBA before you've even decided what you want to do, you're sending information to the MSBA of what you're thinking about. That will inevitably have an influence on how the MSBA thinks about things. At this point in time, we don't know exactly what it is we want to do. We don't know whether it does or doesn't fit in with the MSBA. I do think there's an appropriate time for us to sit down with the MSBA and say, here's what we've got in mind. Help us understand this. But if we start having early stage theoretical discussions with the MSBA with nothing on the table, not even a statement of interest yet finalized, we have an awful lot of people who are sticking their fingers into a pie that undoubtedly will have an impact on where we come out. And, and I'm, you know, as much as we had a rough road before, we have a different kind of rough road to try to pull out of here. And I'm very reluctant in this particular, I go after the schools a lot of times when it comes to budgets. This is a case where I think it's important that we give the schools the room to figure out what it is they want to do. I want them to communicate it. I want them to make it clear to everybody. So that piece of it we need to know. But when everybody starts talking, I was mad. I'm bringing up something I shouldn't bring up again. I was mad when a letter went into the state while we were negotiating a school contract, a school project with the MSBA, encouraging the state to tell the MSBA to make net zero mandatory requirement because that influenced what we did. And I'm just saying, it's it's a 
it's a counterproductive thing for us to do if everybody wants to freelance. Well, don't call it, uh, you can call it freelance not, if you want, but, but I think what's important is I've heard the superintendent at multiple meetings say, you know, the town would be foolish if they don't go back in the MSBA process. So that being said, all I'm trying to do, I'll, I'll wear the citizen's hat, is to educate myself on what can, what, what should we be thinking about? What is engraved in stone? We don't have any wiggle room. What can we be learning? Now, I know, Nick, I'll even shoot down the table too. I know you, you have experience with the MSBA. So just to, to, to ground myself, Again, being wearing the citizen's hat, I'm not making any statements on behalf of the town. I, you know, I have Denise broaching me saying, you know, don't have, you know, don't have a no attitude. I'm like, well, I, have, I'm not, I don't have an attitude. I, I want to learn more because we didn't get a school last go around. We want to get a school, right. right? And that's all. That is 100% where I'm coming from. Um, but I've heard the most senior leader in the schools say, Bedfield, you got to do this. So I'm hearing them say they want to do it. Now we need the SOI to make sure we understand. What we're supporting. So I, I would so I would differentiate a superintendent saying that we should do something from the decision a school committee needs to make sure. that says they're going to do it. My point is, when you choose to talk to state agencies mm -hmm. on town on town issues, you have to be thoughtful about which agencies you talk to, what it is you talk to them about, and when you talk to them. And and I don't think that leaving that open for whoever wants to do it whenever they want to do it or whatever they want to talk about is likely to help us but if it's denise i'm not saying i'm going to sit across from the that yeah. i've got yeah. our, uh, our town rep saying you want to talk to the reps i think that's fine uh, both as citizens or as town officials i'm very very leery we we just had a project that got voted down that the msba supported right and plan a for us right now if we choose to go the MSBA route, which is still an open question, right. is, and we want to get back into that program next December, if that's the route we take, that's plan A. And I'm looking and saying, so the more uncertain, the more we ask questions about, are you gonna do this? Oh, you won't do that. The more we create the impression that these guys aren't serious. So if, if the intention is to make sure that even if we choose to go MSBA, we've reduced our chance of being accepted, at least being accepted right away, okay. But if we are actually interested in truly trying to do that, if we decide that's the right thing to do, I don't think this helps our chances. That's, that's it. And I'm not talking about Denise. Yeah. I'm talking about direct, com direct conversations with Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. So when you said we haven't gotten answers back from them, my question was well, who sent them the questions? Well, it wasn't it wasn't to the MSBA. It was to our reps. Okay. So our reps are are trying to support us and. Well, if they yeah, if Denise has answers, that that would welcome that. Yeah, absolutely. So go ahead, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just want to give you a little bit more perspective. So when we were in the midst of um, the controversial nonsense. We, I looked, I did the research and looked at the fact that Hockington and Ipswich, in one case it was a town official, in another case it was citizens, who wrote to the MSBA and asked for direction as to how they would handle, for example, an extension. Would they do an extension in this, in this, in a certain, certain scenario? MSBA came back with very detailed, a very detailed response and advisory opinion about how they would do it was very helpful to look at both of these letters. When we were in the same situation, over 100 people signed a letter to MSBA 
asking the very same question, how would they handle this particular situation? MSA, MSBA came back and said, you need to work with your town official. Now, we asked our town officials, could you write to MSBA and ask these questions? Because obviously they're not going to ask, answer the questions of citizens. We got no response. And so we could have stayed in the program had we actually asked some of these questions of MSBA and only lost one year, we would still be in the program. So the questions that we're trying to get answered now by MSBA, and actually if you look at the MSBA website, they specifically say they encourage questions. They will not take any questions after April 29, but they will entertain questions from town officials, from anybody, uh, well, mostly town officials, I don't know if I went to them, they've answered my questions, but they will entertain questions about this statement of interest process, but they will not do that after April 29. Now, the questions that we're asking are not specific to, the, to our, our uh, you know, ideas around the project. They are specific to things like, when you've already had a failed vote and you've already gone through the process, how much of information, for example, that, we, that they've already gotten from us, how much of that could they possibly reuse? Could they shorten our timeline from the estimated five to seven years to say three to four years or four to five years? How much, how much of the timeline that they impose on the district, are they, are, do they have the ability to shorten that or what are the parameters for how they might shorten it? We were told last year that MSBA would not consider, would not fund a shared use facility. Well, one of the questions that we asked them that they would not answer unless a town official asked was, what are the parameters around that? Is it a blanket yes or no? No, we will not fund a shared facility. Or is it, you know what? We would allow a shared facility under these circumstances. You would have to segregate your funds in this way, or this way, or this way. These are these are not questions that would would dictate to MSBA that we are not serious about proceeding through the process, or that we have a preconceived notion. These are fundamental questions that we tried to ask last year that we could not get answers to. And no one seems to be willing to ask these questions now. In terms of... Well... And because you're, you're basically, we're making changes in this process. I think there's a lot of people that have taken, in fact, I think there were a lot of people that were aware even last year about things that didn't go the way it probably would have been nice to have gone. Let me put it that way. Everybody's got an opinion. Um, my point is, as we move forward with this, I'm, I'm very concerned about this boat not still rocking back and forth, that we figure out how to be very thoughtful and deliberate on this. And one of the things, if we're going to succeed at this, is that as a town, we find a way to... <laughs> The school committee's got to figure out what lessons they want to take and they have to figure out how they want to do things. A building committee, which is going to be probably redefined one way or the other as a result of, of these articles that will be up for vote in May, is going to lead to a building committee that is, that is intentionally being modified to try to get at, structurally get at some of the issues that I think you're calling out as shortfalls. But at the end of the day, if we have people who agree to serve on a building committee, and we have a bunch of other people who say, well, we'll let you do it as long as we like to, we like what we see. And if we don't, we're gonna go on an open loop. 
and we're going to try to have conversations on our own, that affects the ability to be successful. I'm not saying that citizens don't have the right to do whatever they please, whenever they please, however they please, but I do think if, you, if you're serious about wanting to see something go through, you have to be thoughtful about how that comes across. And if you have a committee that's configured the way that people think it needs to be configured to be responsive, you need to be prepared to commit to supporting that committee and trusting the leadership of that committee to take it in the right direction. It means you gotta make sure all the parameters are in place ahead of time, mm -hmm. but you can't just simply second guess committees because I'll tell you, if, if you're on a committee where everyone's gonna second guess you, then it's like, then you do the work. So this isn't, but this isn't second guessing this committee. I mean, there's some arguments out there that even Mike Marcucci made this argument that this school building committee, once it's constituted, should be the one who should be doing the analysis of whether or not we reapply to MSBA. Yeah. I mean, we have no, That's we true. have, we have <clears throat> no, data in our hands right now regarding the pros and cons from a cost standpoint. I, I, you're right. I, so, I, I mean, so I don't know uh, how you'd answer the question right now. That's the whole point. So I, Which, what but, are you saying? But <laughs> the issue is if we, if we apply to the MSBA and we get in right away in December, mm -hmm. okay, there is still a cost factor, a cost associated with going through the MSBA process if we decide to pursue that in December. I, I don't care how many people say, well, we can just pull out. We get accepted and they don't, they can't meet our needs. We can just, we can just say no thanks. It, do, it doesn't work that way. Why not? Okay, so I have been on the side of a corporate side when people have applied for community grants and it's a competitive process. I've been on the nonprofit side where I've written grant requests to send to community, to, to state agencies or to nonprofit agencies. In either scenario, if you take the time to apply for a grant and you get in and you go back to that organization and you say to them, sorry, we're not going to pursue this because it really we've learned it doesn't meet our needs. It's not the right thing to do. And especially in a competitive process where MSBA is going to deny somebody access so, to the so program. Say, so let's go with that. So you're making a good point. If we sat and waited until the MSBA made its decision before we revealed our own decision, that would be, I agree with you, that would be irresponsible. I think the implication here is we need to know whether we're going to go MSBA before the MSBA makes the decision because the proper responsible thing for us to do is if we decided not to do it, is to tell the MSBA, you know, we appreciate it, we applied, we wanted to see, but the school we want looks like this, your program doesn't allow us to do this, Therefore, we realize we have to go out on our own. We want to let you know that before you make the final decision. That's how to do that properly. Well, that's, this is, I appreciate this is the first time that I've heard that. Because everyone else has been saying, we're going to wait for December, and come December, if they're not going to meet our needs, we're going to pull out. So this is the first time that I've heard that perspective, and I appreciate that. That's, that's how I think we have, I, that's how I, th I mean, that's how I think we should look at it, um, which does let us start, the clock with MSBA right now, mm -hmm. and then does let us form a building committee. And then that building committee has got some work to do to get to a concept for the school about my, my problem with how we've thought about the MSBA is it seems like suddenly their procedures took over. We, we no longer were thinking about the school we needed. We were thinking about the school that the MSBA would be willing to pay for or help pay for. I think we need to go through the process that says, this is the school that we need. Now, MSBA, here's what we're doing. We're building a school. 
you know, what it what it looks like is this. Is this something that we're qualified? You know, that can we can we get this? We'd love to have your money, but this is what we need. Uh, so we know what we want before we start going into final decisions with the MSBA. And I think in order to do that, you have to do it before they get okay. to the decision point. So, but do we know? Do we know what their their own process timeline is? Do we know at what point in time between now and December that they will need to hear from us in terms of where our own direction is? At, at the point that's that a we, really important question. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. But at the point that we apply for it, you know, put in the statement of interest, and we presumably get the articles at the town meeting passed, and we form that building committee. That's the point where I think it's appropriate for the building committee to say, "What's your timeline? We're trying to put a." school together, we don't know whether that school's going to, you know, whether you're going to support that school or not, but we also don't want to, like, throw you under the bus. So what's your timeline? When would you need to know? Or when, you know, when do we need to show you what we have in mind? You'll give us an indication whether it's doable or not for MSBA. I, I agree with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, too, I just want to call out in terms of MSBA's own uh, language, this is in their frequently asked questions. Options for project scope or potential new school addition renovation or repair project. The district must indicate if a potential consolidation is being considered. In the SOI section entitled District Goal for School, the district should also provide information about what the district feels is a potential solution to the issues that have been identified in the SOI. There has been no discussion about that point. Nothing. So you're going to get that SOI, that draft SOI, next week when, or whenever you're going to get it. And you're gonna and and as a community, we have no information about any of the thoughts around this at all. Where the school committee is leaning, they have had no discussion about this. So when's the next school committee meeting? Do we know? Uh, not until May, I don't believe. So anyway, the, the the bottom line point for me is we have town boards, town committees who have jobs to do, and people who are on them. I'm mindful. Of the need, if they're not doing it right, then I think you get the knockdown, drag out arguments that we've kind of had. But if we are getting it to what we want, I'm I'm very thoughtful. I mean, I, I'm very reluctant to get too far down the road around what a school needs to be because I honestly do believe it's the school committee that should be kind of primarily defining that. And I have other opinions about it, but that's not. I I don't think it's us that should be. Trying to tell them that. On the other hand, I also want to make sure we're not making it harder by putting up a lot of smoke and dust before we're at a point where we can do it effectively, productively. That's all. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a copy of this analysis that I did, and you guys can take it. Okay. Thanks. So, possible? Can I just? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. I know it's a long night. Jerry Potts, Seven Curve Street. Um, this is a, this is not even nine o'clock yet, Jerry. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know it's a light night. I could go on a while. No. Um, so, first of all, I wanted to thank you, Gus, for pushing to have the public forum, the joint meeting. Unfortunately, I had a work commitment that night, and I couldn't make it. So, after all of that, and, and watching you push that um, in a good way to get the dialogue starting and the clock starting on how we get the sixty-seven plus percent to vote yes on a school. Um, I, I appreciate that both you and Mike Marcucci have articulated what went wrong and that the process failed. It didn't mean the people failed. It didn't mean good volunteers didn't put a lot of effort in. But none of us were happy not to walk away with the school. 
Unfortunately, since then, and this is the first public meeting I've spoken at, I've kept my mouth shut and I've attended and I've listened, and now I'm at a point where I'm worried. And I'm worried because you keep mentioning that the school committee needs to take the lead on this. Unfortunately, every meeting I've attended in the school committee, the reason that the vote didn't pass was because of misinformation and noise. 52% of the town Very were the misinformation and what noise. Uh, noise. This has been repeated often and personal vendettas that Chris and I are against Dr. Marsden as though we would spend a year and a half of our lives fighting something because we're what in third grade, we have a personal vendetta. We don't, we want a great school. We want it in the right place. So my point on this is until the school committee acknowledges that we do have major data points that have been taken. There was a survey that showed people wanted it at Dale. There was a town meeting a year ago that said people did not want it at Wheelock. There was a very well attended 4,000, you know, there hasn't been one incident. It's not misinformation and noise, it's democracy. It's our voices. And at this point Jerry, in time- Jerry, I wanna stop you on something here. And it's okay. only my opinion. I don't believe any of those votes said that we want a school at Dale. Every and one of those votes. Can I, can I every, well, no, no. Let me I, just I, make I, the one point. Every one of those votes sent us a message that the town was divided. 50-50, 48-52. That's all those votes told us. Uh, can I respectfully now disagree? Yeah, well, sure. We can. need 67 You can even disrespectfully yeah, disagree. No, no, because I, I respect you. And, and again, I started by saying I appreciate you're trying to push this through. But we're not going to fix this problem of getting to 67% if a town vote, regardless of what you want to say, it was 52% and it was over 4,000 people, disagreed with a proposal that had been pushed for over a year. The only way we're gonna change this is, is to openly explore these options. And by calling the points that are brought up, you know, misinformation and noise, it doesn't help. So I'm committed to moving forward to try to get a school built. And if we get a wonderful Dale Street proposal at that location on an ad reno, combining it with park and rec, and it's the best proposal we could get, we already have a wheel lock proposal that for a year was looked at. We'll have two great options for the town then to be able to explore. All we've said all along is to try to get, and, and I know you're making a face, mm -hmm. but we have a park and rec problem down there. We have a Dale Street school problem. And I think it's gonna take an open mind to fully explore and listen to people when they ask questions. And we asked all these questions for a year and were shot down. And not only shot down, but personally attacked. So I've been in this town for 29 years. I am, this is the first time I've ever been in, involved in a town discussion that got this personal on both sides. But my commitment is to try to get a school built. And I'm hoping that instead of looking at people who disagree as noise and misinformation, because <coughs> I guarantee you, I, that was certainly not my intention. But the town had a choice to decide. And there is yet to be on the school building committee or the school committee an honest assessment of it failed. And it wasn't because we're bad people and don't want a school or we're misinformed or we're ignorant. We're in this together. I want a school. So if we can start having a dialogue like that, where it's not viewed as personal attacks and we're gonna bias the MSBA, I just wanna get as much good information out as possible 
And I don't think we've seen that yet. And it's not going to happen unless we can change the dialogue on saying people who disagree, it's misinformation and noise. I never accused anyone of giving misinformation. But everything that we're, you know, it's, it's gotten to that point where that's how this is being presented. And so I'm hoping the dialogue can change. I want it to change. I don't want to go through another 18 months of what we all went through. I want to get a school for the kids. And the longer we mess around with it of just having honest, open dialogue around this, the, the longer we avoid not having that and asking questions at the MSBA and collecting good information to inform as many people as possible on the whole thing, then we're going to be, we're going to be back to <laughs> the same problem. And I hope that's not where it goes. So. Just a couple of responses. First, the uh, appreciate the thanks for the public hearing, but just to be clear, the school committee chair joined in this, and uh, I pushed for it for months before we got the momentum for it. I think that's fair, but the meeting itself was we co co chaired it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but to be honest, the school committee chair was the first prime prime chair of the co-chairs. Uh, and I, I believe that that discussion there, uh, to the extent that anybody has to rethink how they're dealing with the public, I think that meeting demonstrated value to everybody that was there, people who participated, the people that were up at the front that were listening. Uh, and I think that will be captured. I'll be, I'll be working to try to help make sure some of the key points are captured around what I would think of as guidelines for how a building committee should operate in terms of the considerations. And I think that's going to help that. Uh, I, I, I think that Jess also saw that. So I, I don't, I'm just being really careful not to make it sound like, oh yeah, we figured it all out. And it, I think Everybody's trying to figure it out. It's got to be different. Uh, I'm not sure. You you sort of described it as like, well, we already had a Wheelock proposal. Now let's have a Dale proposal. I'm not sure that's creative thinking enough. I actually think the possibility is there for us to have something that's, that we solve this problem in a much different way. And that's based on some of the conversations, that they, you know, the online conversations I've heard between people that were on opposite sides who suddenly kind of said, well, I could live with that and that. And I think that it's not for me to figure it out, but I think the potential is there. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm just not sure that it's going to look at all like the binary way we've been That's thinking. Yeah. Just information. Just get as much good information yeah. so we all yeah. can come along. So my, anyway, my point is we're trying to fix some things structurally. I would like us collectively to allow people to carry out their responsibilities if they volunteer. Uh, maybe it still won't work, but I hear what you're saying around the listening and all that, and I'm, I, and I'm sympathetic to it. Uh, but we have to get on with this in a way that gives these committees a chance to do it. And I'm, I'm arguing to give them a chance uh, once we've got this all reconfigured. That's it. The only thing I'm gonna add to that, if you don't mind, sure. is that is that I think, again, the only way you show you're changing is by doing things differently. Right? If we get on the same path and follow the same patterns, we're going to end up in the same rat hole. Mm -hmm. So I think that, and, and, and now that I'm the new selectman and I'm seeing how the process works, I love the fact that like the info packet, everyone, like I, people stopped me at the state hospital this weekend and said, hey, I, you know, you guys are going to be talking about the following. So, and I'm at the state hospital a lot these days, um, <laughs> uh, is that people, but people go to the info packet. So I think that as we have these committees, the more information, like again, I, I watched some things happen last year information for the citizens because we're all in this together there may be a committee but the only thing i will be 
utterly passionate about is I 100% respect committees, mm -hmm. but the committees have to still represent understand they're representing the citizens. So when citizens come to a committee and say, we have questions to be given the, we got this covered, that's the, that is bad. Um, so, so just being open, transparent, and giving as much information to the sound of Medfield as we go forward. We do it as selectmen, which I love. There's never any secrets as to what happens on a Tuesday. Um, so I think if we, as senior leaders, <laughs> but I think it's something that's a signal. It needs like, if everyone wants to be transparent and upfront and keep everybody engaged, Keep everything up front. Don't don't give it a week later or two weeks later because that's not helping the cause. Right. Right. Done. I'm pretty confident you'll see us promote that across the board. No, it's helpful. Just a quick 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 footnote and a big note of thanks for to both Christine and Nick. They are fantastic with sending information whenever I have questions meeting links, whatever, they're they're really great. So I just I just want to let them know how much I appreciate that. And then also on that document that I that I passed out to you guys, please, please, if you see numbers in there that don't make any sense, let me know. Um, I had a hard time finding um, more recent numbers on deferred maintenance and repairs for Dale Street. So if there's anything out there that you know of that is more accurate or more up to date, um, but I did take it right from town documents, but I would appreciate any corrections on numbers. I, the, the, the intent was to show a template of, of the kinds of information that I think would be really valuable for people to see so that they, they actually know the true value of the MSBA grant um, and that it's not, you know, that they look at that $24 million number and say, wow, we're going to get $24 million, but they're not really taking into account the timeline or other factors that actually dilute the, the value of that dollar right. amount. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Good. Mm -hmm. We're good. Okay. Uh, so we're we're going to hold off until we actually see the SOI. And <clears throat> uh, okay. Uh, next item: review and discuss proposed per, per power purchase agreement, lease agreement, and pilot agreement with Select Energy Development for the Town Garage. This is a twenty-year agreement with one five-year extension option. Uh, questions or so if I am not mistaken this is uh, I sat in the selectman meeting for probably two months prior this is what uh, you were talking about with uh, the solar panels going up on the town garage yep. roof yep. Uh, we're not designing it we are having somebody come in they'll lease it it's a, it, it's a PPA which basically is the, the company comes in, they build it, they run it, they work out a deal with you to get the electricity. In fact, this one, we're buying the electricity, but you get it at a discount. So basically, it's sort of a turnkey. We'll let you use our roof, and, and you're going to pay us money. That's a good thing. Okay. Good. Works for me. It, it differs from what we have at the wastewater treatment plant, which is where we own it and we built it ourselves. We get a greater return if we do it that way than with the PPA, because they're taking their cut of the of the monies. So the argument for, <clears throat> there's probably a couple arguments for it. The one that I think Mike Marcucci's point, and I understand it is, the town shouldn't be buying lots of capital assets that it then has to own right. and control. Now we've, we had that same argument made when Eversource gave us the opportunity to buy all of our streetlights. Mm -hmm. And in that case, we made the decision we were gonna buy them, uh, put in the LED lighting, but Mike's argument, Mike Sullivan's argument at the time was, and when these streetlights break, you own them. Right. 
So it's a, it's a trade-off either way. When you're talking about owning something that you have to maintain, now you're talking about maintenance, you know, your labor, your responsibilities. So that's that was what was behind the, the PPA. I own my solar panels on my roof. I get a good return. My neighbor bought or had a company come around like the one that uh, wanted to solicit here a couple months ago. That basically they come in and say, listen, we'll put something up on your roof and we'll give you a good deal on the electricity you produce. Doesn't cost you a penny. I shelled out a fair amount of money. I took out a home equity loan to pay for the, the thing I have on my roof and I'll get a return. But uh, as long as it can, as long as it can keep working, uh, and they are. So it's it's kind of a trade-off on it's kind of a lease versus buy thing, I guess. Right. Um, any so any questions on the agreement? Pete, any no. question on the agreement? I had So it says the provider shall sell to host. That would be us. Which agreement do you have? I'm looking at the, this is, I didn't print it all out. It's the. Power purchase or the lease? It's the power purchase. It's the front end of it, not the lease. Yeah, it's the front end. Uh, so the provision is provider shall sell to host and host shall buy from provider all electric energy produced by the project, whether or not host is able to use all such electricity. I don't know where it goes if we don't use it. But so, Nick, I actually had a question for you on that because if we're buying all of the electricity, I just want to make sure I understand the structure. We would be buying the electricity from them at a an attractive rate. I guess if we don't buy all, if we don't use all the electricity, but we buy it all, I don't know where that electricity goes. So we will we will purchase all that's produced. We will apply. About hundred and out of the two hundred fifty thousand kilowatt hours to be produced a year, we're going to use about one hundred seventy thousand on site at the CPW <coughs> building. Yep. The rest will be net metered across other town accounts. Okay. So that's the incentive change. If it was all being used on site, it's yep. slightly better. But because we have to net meter, yep. the financial return is slightly lower. That's but but, but yeah. at the end of the day, we will use it. We'll net meter probably to one of the other larger users. So it's just going to go somewhere else. It's yeah. not, that's what I was, I mean, what I was saying is, okay, we're guaranteeing a monthly payment to them for a certain amount of production, I guess. Yep. Uh, but basically what we need in town is so much greater than what this is producing. There's no issue of us over, uh, under using the electricity. No, that's we wouldn't, the, between this, we kind of figured that. Yeah, we'll use all the town garages usage and maybe a little bit of the public safety buildings and that okay. would be it. Um, and then the only other question I had was the pilot payments. Yeah, they started a little over $1,000 in year one and they dropped to $600. Year 20. That's, is that an annual, that's the annual pilot? Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a one-time payment each year. So $1,000 year one, declining slowly over the 20 years to the and, last and, and We haven't finalized these numbers on the pilot side <clears throat> with the assessor. We're still yep. working to do that. What we were hoping to accomplish tonight was just Clarify any questions and bring it back okay. once it's finalized. I and I wasn't. I didn't have a good feel whether a thousand dollars a year from these folks is meaningful relative to the volume and the value of the electricity being produced. On the other hand, I said, yeah, but as a likely tax, real estate tax 
on what's on a roof, it seemed reasonable. So I, I, it's not like I had a problem. I just tax was trying to understand. Personal property. It's taxes. Personal, personal property. property. So that's why that's that number. That's a pretty low number, but it's because all we're talking about is the equipment that's going up on the roof. Right. And this Got entire it. agreement is through the Power Options Program. So Select's yep. profitability is limited by the Power Options Program. So yep. let's say the pilot was increased to 5000 a year, one declining over those 20 years, yep. that our rate on the PPA will be adjusted because... Yep. Their value is their value, whether we're paying, they're paying it to the town and the pilot, yep. or they're paying it to us in a lower PPA rate. Yep. It's at the same okay. at the end of the day. So it's coming out of the same bucket of money. It just okay. depends on which the, one. The thing that from. made me pay attention to that pilot amount is when I looked at Exhibit B that had the early termination amounts. Not not that we're necessarily going to terminate, but I'm saying, well, wait a minute. If in year one it's if it's nine hundred forty thousand dollars for an early termination, then that's almost a million dollars that we're paying for if we do an early termination, but it's only worth $1,000 in taxes seemed several orders of magnitude apart. It's a negotiated deal. Yes. Yeah. I was interested that they're putting a million dollars into it. So that's what yeah. we're avoiding having to put into it ourselves. Right. Okay. So I, I was, those the only thing. It was not that I had problems. It was just that I was looking at those and going, hmm, that's kind of. Yeah, we're still working to have a meeting between Select and the assessor just to finalize those numbers based on information they give us on the value of the equipment that they're going to install. Okay. Okay. Um, so we're not voting on anything. We've reviewed it. I don't have any heartburn. Pete, you do. I'm good with this. Okay. okay. So I think we're. I just bring it is good and we trust you to negotiate a hard nosed deal if you can do it. Yeah, we will bring it back. Just okay. is a not. Uh, Nick and I have sat down and gone over my concerns. It's, there's a number of legal issues that need to be addressed or refined. Okay. Okay. That's, that's what I'm saying. At this point, we will trust the two of you to get us to a proper agreement at the detail level, but at the macro level, this looks fine. Great. I would, I would say that in general, my preference would be for the town to own it because mm -hmm. there's greater return there. I understand that we don't want to manage it so that we're doing it this way, but... Yep. When we get to the uh, the old dump site, I, th I hope that we own that one. Landfill. Well, we got one that we own and one that we don't, and probably by the time we get to the dump site, we'll have enough of a track record to we'll know. have a good sense of yep. <clears throat> what it takes to do each. I understand what you're saying. If you can get a better return. Yeah. Like I said, I, I paid for my solar panel. Um, Chair, if I could, there's one question about what the discount rate is on the PPA. And so the price per kilowatt hour is five and a half cents um, per kilowatt hour is the rate in the PPA for the entire 20 year duration. We're paying right now about 9.7 cents a kilowatt hour just for the supply and their additional kilowatt hour charges. So it's about not a little bit more than half off of what we're paying today for mm -hmm. our supply. Okay. Okay. We're good. Uh, next item, action item, vote to approve the MBTA community information form to satisfy the how to comply for 2022 requirements related to MGL Chapter 40A, Section 3A, sometimes referred to as MBTA communities. Form must be submitted by May 2nd. Um, this, is, this is the next step in our interim compliance. Correct. Any questions on the form? No, I went through it. It it, it makes sense. I love the fact that, uh, that we're trying to look at what we're doing at State Hospital and saying to the state, hey, you know, we're doing this already. It might not hit the numbers that they're looking for, but 
So that, that was the one question I had. Well, I think later we can go my, my, my question for Sarah uh, had been, can we get out of this by getting out of the MBTA? Because we, we, get, we, get, we pay very little into the MBTA every year, and we get the ride. We get the ability to call the ride and have them take we, It's us. also for the proximity of the train station. Right. I said a lot of people use the Walpole train station, so I think it's not, not what, what happens is you just you don't get the right to uh, access certain programs, financial programs, if you don't comply with this. Oh, I know, I know. But, yeah. but yeah. I, I thought, you know, it's it's all labeled MBTA Community Information Form. It's because it's, I've never because been, it's all on the books still. It's still in the statutes. They've never amended the statutes from what they originally intended to do, mm -hmm. which was to expand. So my solution, regional. Mark, was that I've never been hugely in favor of our being an MBTA community in any event. I think that if we went to the MWRTA, we'd actually get a bus to run through town. Uh, when I talked to Roberta, at the Council on Aging about that, she said, please don't do that because the uh, people here use the ride. That's the only service that we get really from the MBTA is the ability to call the ride and you can go to Lynn for $5, I think, as a, as a senior or a disabled person. And, and so I've just, I've, I've paid attention to that. But when this came up and rather than have to, have to uh, do some sort of zoning, inclusion zoning uh, uh, as of right that allows for 750 units, I thought, well, let, is this an opportune time to leave the MBTA and go to the I MW? Don't we don't, no, Sarah, Sarah educated me, so, yeah, yeah. Sarah, we did your work for you. To your point though, Pete, Nick, we pay like 150,000 a year or something to the MBTA. Yeah, it's not a it's not a small amount that we're paying, but it, but it's because it's not just the ride; it's also the proximity of the commuter rail stations, and there are a lot of people in town that use the commuter rail. We could opt out of being an MB, MBTA community, and we could instead have that 150,000 go to the MWRTA, and you could get one of those little buses to come to town. How would we stop commuters from using the commuter rail? There's a ton of people use Walpole and, and oh yeah so. yeah I don't I don't know but I, I part, my I mean, understanding is that as as a town we have the option of where that hundred and fifty thousand goes whether it goes to the MBTA or whether we can uh, do a deal with a uh, another transportation company like the MWRTA which has buses going through Wellesley and I don't know where else they yeah, go but, that, but, but I'm still I'm still not sure how people would use the commuter rail if you I don't know how you opt out of the commuter rail. You can't tell people not to go to Walpole. Right. Or for, or, well, that's not or, the issue. Or it's, or it's a, it's, I think exactly. it's a question of where your money goes. And so, that, you know, instead of we're signed up with the MBTA and we give them 150000 a year, but if we give that 150000 to the but, MWRTA, we might get something better. But what I'm saying, no, Pete, I'm saying, but it's not just for the ride. It's it's the fact that there are train so. stations you can go. I don't, I don't think okay. so. I, well, I, that's what I understood it was for. It was all of that. Anyway. Um, I did have a question. The, the, the main question is that in this form, it basically says that the, the state hospital land does in fact comply with that, with that density requirement. I don't understand how Sarah calculated that. And secondly, I believe the requirement is that it be that density by right, which I don't understand how we would provide by right zoning at the state hospital when we already have the special zoning that we've already passed. It's like, does the special zoning go away and it's all just the land is by right, so. 
So this is a step-by-step -step process. These guidelines haven't even been finalized yet. They're still in process. So your only concrete requirement up to this point was to have the presentation that Sarah gave you a few weeks ago. Yep. And by signing up now, you're basically saying, we're complying with what you've required us to do to date. Right. And not really made a right. commitment right. as to what's going to happen in the future. Right. But, the, but the information that's on this form so that we're signing. Sarah calculated her approach to this all along has been, and she's reached out to DHCD and Mass Housing has been, we have a zoning district that allows for the density you're looking for when you're looking at the buildable space because of the hospital it's based on buildings. So it's a it's a creative argument, but that's where she's coming from at it is I, mean, I don't have a problem. We can get away with that. That's where she's but it, yeah, it, as, sure as this process goes else. forward, it gets more detail, more examination, there has to be analyses done. And it's several years before this community would actually have to have the final zoning in place anyway. Right. No, that part I that part of it right. I get, but I want to make sure the information we have is accurate, even if it seems weird. So there's been a huge pushback from municipalities similarly situated to Medfield, and even more rural, because some of these communities go way out into central, even western mass, because that was they were projected for expansions that have never occurred, and then but they're listed in the statute, so they've been picked up in this. So there's a tremendous amount of pushback that developing at even the minimum requirements that are contained can destroy the character of a suburban or rural community. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it, it remains to be seen how that's going to play out now. Okay. So I, uh, I guess you're, we're looking to approve signing this form. Continuing our compliance. Continuing yes. our compliance in the sincere belief that all the information in the form that we have submitted does in fact represent an accurate, well, an honest response mm -hmm. consistent with the state's understanding of what the questions they've asked are and what the answers to those questions can be. In light of the fact that they don't have guidelines. Exactly. In light of the fact they don't have guidelines. Uh, they're See. looking for people that push back and give these type of responses, right? That's what I sense from Sarah. I'm trying to remember, is it all three of us that are signing this statement? Or is it <laughs> oh, no, you're there? on the hook, yeah, buddy. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Um, all right. Uh, based on this conversation, which Medfield TV, I trust you have recorded. <laughs> okay. Um, if, you, uh, if the two of you uh, are inclined to entertain a motion and a vote. I would move to move forward with the uh, MVTA community information form as specified in the agenda. I second that. All those in favor? Yes. Aye. All opposed. All right. Motion carries. And uh, do we have to authorize? I should have. Do you have to authorize the chair to sign it, or yeah? Don't don't don't. I'll sign it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, no citizen comment. Consent agenda. We have uh, three things, was it? And one of them we need to talk about. But um, so there's spring car wash dates. 
April 16th, Medfield High School Boys Track already took place. April 30th, Medfield High School Girls Track. May 7th, Medfield High School Girls Lacrosse. May 14th, Medfield High School Indoor Track. May 21st, Medfield High School Lacrosse. June 4th, Hannah Adams Women's Club. June 11th, Medfield High School Girls Varsity. How did Adams Women's Club get in there? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder who's doing that. June, June 11th. June 11th, Medfield High School Girls Varsity Soccer soccer, and June 18th, Medfield High School Boys Soccer. So that's all those dates for the spring car wash behind the town hall. Uh, Medfield Lions request permission to post signs at the approved locations for the spring gala event scheduled for May 7th. And then First Parish Unitarian Universalist Church of Medfield requests a parade permit for May 25th at 7.30 p.m., for anti-racist candlelight vigil to take place around Meeting House Pond, Ferry Street, and Main Street. And I have a, a question on that route. But, uh, so Fire away. That's, I'm the only one with the question. So the, the only question I had, this is a Wednesday night. And according to the, the written request, it talks about going you know, out Meeting House Pond, down Ferry Street, uh, up them to Ferry and the last bit on Main Street. And I'm trying to picture how, like the last bit, I don't know what the last bit means. And I, so number one, I don't know what the last bit actually means. And number two, this event starts at 7.30 on a Wednesday night, which says by the time they do this, it's 8.30 on a Wednesday night, it's dark. And the question is, is this that you wanna be on the sidewalk? Or are you literally planning to stop traffic on Route 109 in the dark? I believe they are planning to be on the sidewalk, but they were concerned in case they had a little overflow into the roadway. Well, I think they just have to make sure they don't have. I mean, is the police chief had comments on this? I I just see She's that as a, it. okay. Um, I see it as a safety hazard if it involves the road, and no problem at all if it. I'd probably almost say you don't need a parade permit to use a sidewalk. You recommended the parade permit. Okay. They're they're asking for permission to use the public way. Uh, We don't have a formal procedure or detailed procedure in place, which frankly we should, but we don't. But nevertheless, you want the oversight, you want the input from the police, and you want some, some controls over it. You don't want groups to just be on their own holding demonstrations and assemblies in the public way. Okay, well, so I'm, I'm good with that. <clears throat> My quick reaction is that we don't want people intentionally or unintentionally bleeding over onto the street on a dark Wednesday night, even if it's just a little bit of Main Street. My, my su- suggestion would be, since it's not till the end of May, yeah. if this could be held and get some feedback from them and also from Chief Garrett. Uh, yeah. yeah, she's currently on vacation. She's, yeah. she's going to okay. review it when she's okay. back. Okay, so let's, then we can defer that one for now. So I would then move the uh, consent agenda for items eight and nine. Second, yes. All those in favor? Yes. Opposed? Those first two passed, we'll defer uh, number 10. Pending without other, prejudice. Without prejudice. It's <laughs> kind of really meaningful. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. 
meeting minutes. Could could I ask that we hold those until I really have a chance to sit down and go through them? I, I don't sure. know which ones I've reviewed and which ones I haven't. And I, I was so, doing tax returns. Yeah, so, uh, sorry. So Brittany sent out an email that actually has her prior list and her current list. Oh, I see. I didn't even so, look at that. Yeah, I didn't so have that time. That came in to uh, yep. came in on the twelfth. Yeah, I've got so it. Tuesday, so Tuesday, April twelfth, two forty-three p.m. That's is a good one. Yep, I'll go back and okay. look at that one. So that'll be defer, very helpful. Thank you. We're going to defer all of them, but just so you know, Christine, March first. I I've gone through the three new ones. I figured we wouldn't dig the hole deeper. We'd just start with the newest ones and I'd work my way down. Uh, March first, the, it's the discussion <clears throat> with Mo about the the niche engineering presentation. Mm -hmm. That's a very confusing section. I, I actually tried to edit that. I've done a pretty heavy edit on that section, but there's some places that it was like, gee, I think I remember what they were talking Like, there's a reference to traffic lights, and it sounds like it's talking about traffic lights at North and Harding, mm -hmm. and I'm almost positive it was traffic lights at South and 27, but it didn't mm -hmm. identify. So, there, so you'll see no. my comments on the Google Docs. Uh, there were no traffic lights at... Hard yeah, in and yeah, yeah. So north. It was just a confusingly worded roundup, possible Special. roundabout, maybe. But you didn't have your comment about the paint kind of going the wrong. I know, direction. I noticed that too. But I figured my comments haven't had any impact. So what what good would it do to insist that that be called out in the meeting minutes? Uh, Mo must have reviewed them before. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Next, town administrator updates. Two quick updates this evening. One, uh, the warrant report is scheduled to arrive tomorrow, and that will be mailed um, to everybody the following day. So look for that this weekend. Um, the other one is I just wanted to give you uh, a PFAS update. Uh, Water and Sewer Board met last week. Wells 1 and 2 have had a slight increase in their PFAS results, um, and all those results can be found on the town's website. We're still under the threshold for DEP, um, but Water and Sewer will start uh, further investigation. As you know, uh, we did appropriate money from ARBA funding for the site, so we'll be uh, working on that as well. Good. Uh, <clears throat> next meeting dates next week. We'll be back here again on Tuesday, the annual town meeting on May 2nd. And because that's the annual town meeting, we're deferring the Board of Selectmen meeting until the following week, so it'll be May 10th. Uh, and then the second meeting for May will be May 24th. Selectman reports. All right. So since we last gathered, uh, I did get a chance to head up to uh, the Ferry House event, which I thought was fantastic. You had a chance to see you up there. Um, so well done. Um, you can only imagine the turnout next year. I got up there and I thought they were giving money away. There were tons of cars parked over uh, uh, by McCarthy Park. And, and because you know my new pet peeve, this dog's on leashes, I did have my dog on leash up there. I was in the quad, um, but it was nice. I actually saw Jenny Cronin uh, the following Tuesday when I was up there and she said, no incidents. I mean, everybody really adhered to, you know, everyone was in the quad. They kept their dogs on leashes. If you left that area, so be it. Um, so she was happy that people took it seriously. Um, so that was actually a really great event. Uh, kudos to everybody. Um, and then I think we're gonna start to see more of the Saturday events up there, right? Starting, okay. Um, and then uh, I, I was supposed to meet with uh, Chief Greco, but unfortunately, he was unavailable. Yeah, unavailable. So, back this week. Yep. so I will uh, meet up with him and after that. Very good. I, I uh, got to the uh, the uh, event at the hospital too, and I learned what a ferry house was, and uh, and and the 
it was just it was really fun to see the kids enjoying themselves. Um, nicely done event. Um, I actually had a uh, um, an interaction with a couple of the Medfield uh, police officers in the past week, and and it, they were both just such impressive people uh, to deal with that I was just I don't deal with the Medfield uh, officers very often, so I was just very impressed. I actually sent the uh, chief an email to tell her to. That her her officers were doing a really nice job and uh, they were very pull, impressive. They didn't pull people. you over at West Mill, did they? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't pull you over at West Mill, did they? <laughs> no, I was they actually doing a good thing, uh, Gus. I was reporting a, a an abandoned vehicle with four flat tires that I thought was kind of suspicious, having four flat tires, um, and I thought they'd want to know. So, um, the Medfield Foundation had a meeting, as did the uh, Medfield Foundation Legacy Fund Committee, and. Uh, and the Energy Committee as well. The Energy Committee just uh, went through a huge number of things. Uh, they are just so active. It's just very impressive. Um, let me just run down some of the things that they're doing. Um, heat pumps, Blake Middle School walkthrough. The TomCap, they've, they've written this uh, uh, climate action plan. It's, it's, it's just about ready to get released to you guys. Um, they had, uh, uh, oh, uh, a new uh, a person that I hadn't uh, met before is, is looking to do a Solarize Plus for the town like we did Solarize Medfield before. She's looking to not only the, the photovoltaics, but the heat pumps. Emily uh, Lowney, uh, Green Communities, we got a great uh, report from Susan McPhee about that. And, and the good news is, I guess, Chris that, and, and Nick, that all of the things are getting done because the way the Green Communities grants work is that you have to actually do the work from the prior grants before you can apply for the new ones. And the, and the, the new grants are coming in the fall, and, and Susan McPhee, our consultant, our energy consultant, said that it looks like we're gonna, uh, Amy's gonna get everything, Amy Colloran, the facilities manager, is gonna see that everything gets done in time so that, that we should be able to, to do that. Um, We talked about the car show because they're going to have a bunch of uh, EV vehicles in that. Is there going to be a spring green fair at the UU, UU Church? And the, and the Energy Committee is going to be part of that. Penny Connor talked about the status of the solar. Um, and Cindy Green gave us a rundown on federal funds. Cindy works for uh, uh, the EPA and she was educating us about the opportunity to get electric buses. There's $5 billion in the country that's being put out for, for uh, climate action stuff. And everybody's looking to, it would be helpful if the, if the country did uh, electric buses. And that's the Energy Committee, that's it. Okay, then uh, <clears throat> I had, schedule was pretty full between the last meeting, this one, April 6th, was the uh, MSH Development Committee information meeting in the in the high school library? That went well. Uh, there are plans to do more, so there'll be a sequence of those. I think the next. So Todd just sent an email out, and I didn't bring it with me, but I think the next planned one will be a similar information meeting, except that Trinity will be present for it. So it'll be uh, again not. You know, I don't think we're down to the nuts and bolts of an LDA yet, but. 
uh, in the as they getting farther into the due diligence process, they'll be available for that, so people can meet Trinity and ask Trinity questions, which will be a good thing. Uh, April seventh was the Joint School Committee uh, Board of Selectmen public hearing. There was a public safety building that also went well. That's Jerry. To my earlier comments, there were points that were made in that meeting that I think kind of have to get distilled down and refined to become guidelines for how to conduct business. But I think that there there were a lot of good points that were made there and. Uh, I think there's it's a good starting point for that getting things fixed or better maybe better is a better word um, and then the tenth the daffodil days in addition to the points that Eileen and Pete made uh, two points number one there's some there's some young girl dancers in this in this area that are doggone rugged because it was pretty windy and cold and they're sitting there with these little you know like open shouldered. It was like I was impressed. I had a jacket on. It was zipped up all the way. Um, and then the other thing is just before my wife and I were ready to walk back home, it just, you see all the people, you see a nice day, you look up through the quad and you picture that piece of property developed. <clears throat> and it, we have a tremendous opportunity here. It just really is. Uh, it's a, it'll be a great place for people to live with the culture and arts in the center of it. Um, it, it, it you know, people are coming from all over the place as it was, just mm -hmm. for a bunch of empty buildings. And I, I just, you could just see in the fact that Gene has nearly weekly events planned. I'm thinking every day, every week that there's another event, there will be more people that will be able to get up there and see what, what the potential is, because yeah. I think it's tremendous. Um, on the uh, 14th, there was a Memorial Day Parade Committee meeting. Uh, so far, I just kind of, I've managed to avoid getting any action items to, to report on progress, but they are making progress. They're, they're, I think I said before, the parade route's a little different. They are planning to have like an ice cream truck there or probably, but it's intended for like the, the kids and the marchers. It's not quite the, the broad open barbecue kind of thing that the Legion has put on before. They don't have that facility. So, uh, but there'll be stuff for the kids that march in it. And uh, looks like it'll be a good, good turnout. And then finally, um, earlier this, or last week, last week there was, uh, we had on Friday, I guess it was, Christine, when was the gun, the gun range meeting? Friday. Or it was, yeah, Friday. Um, there was a preliminary discussion with the state and with uh, Trinity and with us around the issue of what needs, what could be done up at the gun range off of Route 27. For anyone who's paying attention to the proposal, the one potential showstopper in the Trinity proposal was we have, we're going to have a problem getting financing with the amount of noise that's coming out of the gun range. Um, I had kind of assumed that that was going to be a zero-sum game where we were going to be fighting with the state about you know, what they could put in to fix the problem. It turns out that the state actually is actively working to improve the training for police across the state. Uh, and so it's, it's way too early to be, you know, know for sure what could be there, but it appears that there's more potential for us to work out a better solution and a solution with a broader set of benefits than I had anticipated when I was first trying to think about how could we solve that problem with what I was thinking might be a reluctant state and a limited amount of money. So uh, there's grounds for cautious optimism. It was only an early discussion. Nothing's been nailed down. And there are issues 
around land ownership and stuff like that. But I'm actually getting more optimistic that that's going to we're going to have a good we're going to be able to find a good resolution there. Um, the only other thing Christine I had was the uh, the auditor's report that came in, and I just looked at the management letter, uh, and uh, there were a couple of things. Uh, the one that I the one that I was curious about that is appropriate to ask about here was the last bullet they had develop a plan to spend down the surplus balances in the kindergarten tuition and school rentals fund. I'm assuming that's a school committee yes. bucket, and I'm assuming there are good purposes for that. Is this kind of like the thing where we can't hang on to bond proceeds that we haven't done anything we got to get? I mean, why why they why can't they just kind of keep it there as, as a effectively a not revolving revolving fund. I don't know the answer to that. Um, we've asked okay. the auditors for committee to have that discussion with okay. us. Um, okay. And I know that Jeff and Michael uh, have also responded to that. Okay. So I'll let you know. Okay. I'm just curious. Uh, and I think that was it. Probably not set up as we've all responded. Does anybody have anything else? No. Nothing from the crowd. All right. I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. All right. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Medfield TV.